Pushing the brand across the land. Welcome to Ragin' Review. Made by the fans, for the fans. Cajun Nation, welcome back. Another edition of Ragin' Review. Matt, Jerry, Josh, back with you. It's App State Week, baby. Good morning, gents. How are you? Glad that we can do this again. It, it's funny. I'm, I'm so used to calling it App State Eight Week. But I think this year there's like a newfound level of respect in the fact that we both equally hate COVID Carolina. <laughs> Like now, it's just app week. It is. It has been a little too kumbaya around here. You know, I'm, I'm right. a big hate and rivalry guy. It's kind of like we talked about. It, the rivalry is it's friendly until game day, and then you hate the guy or you hate the team, the program, whatever. And then, depending on how it goes, as long as there's no funny business, we'll probably return to being friends after. But yeah, we need to ramp up the uh, the, the the meanness or something. We got it. We got to we got to start stoking the fire. What do you think, Jerry? Well, I'm not going to deny it. I mean, I, I think the since we've beaten them last year, maybe we've gotten soft or app has gained a little more respect for us. But I, I'll tell you, come Tuesday night, uh, you know, I am going to have some app hate in my heart uh, at, at 630. But after the game, I will admit, and we have said it on, on social media, from, from 930, 10 o'clock Tuesday night, regardless of if we win or lose, I will be the app, biggest app fan moving forward for the next eight days because you know who's next on their schedule, right? That's right. The Beach Chickens. So, that's right. They got Coastal coming to town uh, the following Wednesday night. So for that week, I will be an app fan. But as of right now, uh, let's, let's go and take care of business and beat them. For sure, for sure. So before we get too far in the app, let's, let's look back a little bit. Rap South Alabama. Uh, you know, much has been said, kind of feels like it was three weeks ago now. Um, but, you know, final thoughts on the game and uh, even more so fan reaction to the result and how we played. want to get into that. Uh, Jerry, I know you have stuff to say, so go ahead. Well, I had the chance to go um, and I thought the first quarter and a half, we looked like a team that we I, we played up to our capabilities. Um, you know, the week before we had heard about the South Alabama defensive linemen talking about how they weren't scared of us and how our rushing attack didn't really offend them or anything like that. And all of a sudden, um, basically, Billy called plays to where we ran it right at their front seven. And I mean, we dominated their front seven um, for the entire game. I think we had almost seven yards of carry. So we played the way we were supposed to play. I mean, that first quarter and a half was the brand of raging Cajun football that we all know and love. Then as the game went on, South Alabama made some adjustments. We had a few miss mishaps on special teams, missed field goals. And we kind of went back to our old ways, our old stubborn ways, if you will, to where uh, we kind of went away from what was working. And I think it almost, and almost, I mean, really it took a missed uh, South Alabama field goal for us to get the win. And um, am I happy we got the win? Absolutely. That doesn't mean I'm okay with the way we played. Uh, do I think we need to get better? Absolutely. Do I think the way we played uh, against South Alabama, if we play like that, will we be able to beat app on Tuesday? No. 
Um, I think for the most part, defensively, we played a good game. We held our own. Um, you know, I think South Alabama had the ball for 36 minutes. So the defense got tired towards the end and it showed, but I think offensively, once again, we haven't played a complete game. Um, and I think, you know, you go against Georgia Southern, you throw the ball for 300 something yards. And then this time around, you don't even get a hundred yards in the air. Whereas vice versa for the rushing attack, right? You almost got 300 yards on the ground, but then against Georgia Southern, you barely got 130. I think we have to play an all around game for once offensively. Uh, and once we do that, once we click, this team can be dangerous. But for right now, um, again, I'm happy we got the win, but we got a lot of work to do. And until we, we, we figure that out, um, you know, Tuesday, it's, it's concerning to me. So we'll see, but look, we're four and one. It is what it is. I'm going to enjoy that moment, but, and we'll talk more about it later. I enjoy that, but that doesn't mean that uh, where we are, we should get complacent with that record because we do have some improvements uh, ahead. Yeah, I agree with that. That's well said. Uh, Matt, what'd you see? So Jerry, Jerry hit the nail on the head, but you know, it's funny. I had a conversation with somebody the other day about the, about the program and my, my enthusiasm just, you know, wasn't as high as it normally is. And this person asked me, they're like, man, why are you so upset? We're four and one. I said, yeah, you know, you're right. We are four and one, but, and then I thought about it a little bit more and a lot of people don't realize this. We are a pick six and South Alabama having a horrible field goal kicker removed from being two and three. I mean, think about that. You, you take away that Chris Moncrief pick six against Nichols. You give out, you give South Alabama a decent field goal kicker. We're a two and three football team right now with a loss to an FCS school. I mean, again, don't get me wrong. I'm thrilled that we're four and one. I think, you know, but, but the, the issue that I'm having is we're four and one because we're supposed to be four and one. There haven't, there hasn't been a game yet this year outside of Texas week one that we were quote unquote supposed to lose. But yet we're looking back at the first five games of the year and there's two, maybe three games that we had to really survive and not so much win. So that's very concerning for me because um, that state's a hell of a football team. I mean, Chase Bryce was a big question mark coming in at quarterback, but, you know, he, he's kind of silenced a lot of the questions I had, at least, uh, about his playing ability. Uh, we, we obviously know what they have at running back with Nate Noel and, and Cam Peoples, and then don't even get me started on that wide receiver core. I mean, that's just – that wide receiver core gives me nightmares. So, I mean, yeah, sure, we're four and one, but we're, we're not playing well. We don't seem to really have an identity. And uh, that, that's concerning six weeks into the year. No doubt about it. I agree with that. I, I don't think we're playing well either. Um, I think that you can make the argument, uh, you know, the quote unquote, or, or the cliche, I guess I should say, is 
this team knows how to win games. And there's, there's value in saying that. And that definitely is an ability that some teams don't have. I mean, we've seen it here at Cajun field where we had teams that just could not close out victories. So I, I think that the people that would argue using that, it, they have a point and, and I don't discount that. Uh, but your point about a play here and a play there, and we're, we, we have a losing record. I think that that also has value. I mean, it's, it's true that, now, look, Nichols has played some good football since they came here. So uh, maybe they caught us flat-footed a little bit. And, and, you know, we could talk about that forever. We could speculate. Uh, South Alabama just flat-out dominated us after about 16, 17 minutes into that football game. Um, we, we didn't deserve to win the game after we were totally blowing them out. And we kind of talked about that in the reaction pod. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I still think this team is figuring out who they are. I, I really believe that offensive line, uh, the depth problems in the two deep, are, are, I think it's a much bigger problem than a lot realize. I think we really miss Rob Sale. Uh, I, I think we miss a few other guys that have gone, uh, assistant coaches that have left. Uh, you know, as far as the, the meat and potatoes of the game, we got to be better quarterback. We have to be more consistent on third downs. I mean, we've talked about this in every episode so far this year. Uh, special teams has gone from a strength to a major question mark. Uh, and that, and that's, I guess that's not really fair. Kicker, kicker in particular has gone from a strength to a, a question mark. And that's no shot at Nate. Everybody, it's no secret. We love Nate. But Nate's got to make kicks. I mean, we got to make kicks. You know, that's what he's here to do. And at the end of the day, you got to take care of business. And that has to happen. So, uh, I, I don't know. Moving on, I think that their stadium was very impressive. I thought that they have a nice, scrappy team. I like their coach. Uh, Shane Womack is a, obviously a good fit there. I think they're going to win football games in the future. I, hell, they might continue to win football games this year. I think they have talent. Uh, Bentley looked competent uh, a majority of that game. Uh, that was a little surprising to me. I thought that he was, I thought that he was capable, but watching him play and watching him make some decisions, I think that he's going to, he's going to do fine in the league going forward. Uh, but you know, this is kind of going to lead us into our next topic. Our fan response to how we played was tough and it always is. You know, I made the joke that we suffer from low fan base self-esteem. You know, it, we don't expect anything here. And maybe it's because we never have. We don't have a history of winning, but we've been a successful football program for the better part of a decade now. We had a little bit of a lull there for a few years between HUD and Napier. But the fact of the matter is this town and this city has, has seen winning football at a pretty good clip over the last 10, 12 years. When you go out and you play a South Alabama and you, and you win um, and you don't play well, the fans are not wrong. The ones of us that, that say that, that's an unacceptable performance, yeah, we won, but we beat a bad, we beat a team that was not as good as we were. When you get a fan reaction on social media or the boards or whatever, when you get a negative response to that, that comment or that opinion, we're missing. Something has been lost here. We, we Jerry says this better than I do, but we have invested in our football program, in our, our athletics. We're not paying Jerry Baldwin $250,000 a year anymore. We got a $2 million a year head coach. We've got facilities. We, we've, we have invested in higher expectations. So don't tell me that I'm wrong when I voice my, my desire to strive to be better 
than squeaking out a win against Nichols or getting a little fortunate to win at South Alabama on the road. And I'll yield to you, Jerry. I mean, I know you have a pretty strong opinion on that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, I, I, I get the best of both worlds because I sat through those those years, okay? I sat through that 9-45 or 9-46 stretch. I, I was at the game when we lost to a Division II team in North Alabama. I remember standing on the sideline in 2000 watching – uh, you know, watching us lose on a last second play to Northwestern State. You know, I remember those years. Um, you know, I, I I was there for all of those games. I didn't miss a single home game during the Jerry Baldwin era. Okay. So I know what that was like. But if you look back then and you look at the commitment or lack thereof from the university, you talk about investments. We didn't invest anything back then outside of a little chump change for the coaching staff and maybe for the facilities to have utilities, like to have electricity. That was really all we invested. And so you got the return on investment, which were one in 10 and two in nine seasons. Well, fast forward to today and you look at what we're investing. We have a state-of-the-art athletic performance center. We're doing a big, 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 probably the biggest capital campaign in athletic history with this new football stadium. We're paying Billy Napier and his coaching staff a whole lot more money than we were before. Pay what you pay a coach, what you put money into the program, that matters. That that's an investment. You're investing in a coach. You're investing in facilities. Those are investments. So, would it be I fair to say? Would it be fair to say you're investing in a result or expected results? Absolutely, absolutely. Because this also includes RCAF donors. You know, when you donate money to RCAF, whether you put it in football or the general fund, that money's going to a coach's salary. That money's going to the program. So you're, and that's why. Why do you think Dr. Maggard? always talks about RCAF investing, right? You're investing money into the program, so you expect a return. Now, would you say as far as a record goes, a 4-1 record, we're getting our money's worth? Absolutely. But in order to get there, like I said before, we have to play better. We have to improve as a team. We have to improve as a coaching staff. But I think, I think also, too, I have to, and I have to iterate, reiterate this, and I've said this before, this is not the Cajuns of the 1990s. Our expectations have naturally gone up. No disrespect to, you know, uh, the fans that have been there before that were there through the dark, e dark years or the dark ages, because I was there too. But, you know, we, we, yes, can we appreciate how far we've come? Absolutely. But that doesn't mean we should get complacent. Um, for me, like I said, I'm not going to get complacent and say, oh, well, we're four and one, let's not worry about anything else. Because look, that four-on-one record or that winning percentage can disappear quickly once you play better competition if our team doesn't get better. So, yes, I, like I said, I'm happy we're four-on-one. I, I kind of expected us to be a four-on-one. Does that make me an entitled fan? No, because we have standards now. <laughs> it's pretty simple. We have standards. And so moving forward, again, look, and, you, and I know you were about to talk about this, but Billy Napier knows that this team has to get better. That coaching staff and that football team in that locker room knows that this that they have to get better. Will they get better? I think. Look, I think they have the, the capability of doing so. But until then, as fans, and I'm not telling, and I don't want to tell anybody how to be a fan. You cheer for your, you cheer for the Cajuns however you want. But just know that we have standards now. And so, to me, if people want to get upset because we're we're critiquing certain things from Saturday night, and like you say, Josh, watch the game. There's a lot of mistakes we made. And so if you don't like the fact that people are calling that out, I'm sorry, but you play, again, you play app like that and you make those same mistakes, 
we will not walk out of Cajun Field with a W on Tuesday night. It's just a fact. I'm sorry. If you don't like to hear it, I'm sorry. That's what we see. And we're going to talk about it. That's why we exist. That's the point of this. You know, an analogy that I've thought of is that if you buy a home and you invest thousands of dollars in renovating your kitchen and then you go sell the house for, you know, say you don't make a profit on it. Well, you sold the house, but you wasted your money because you invested in the kitchen and you didn't get any ROI on it. That's the same thing here. Yeah, we won the game and we have won games in the past that we didn't. Well, we should not have won or we, you know, didn't didn't uh, deserve to win. But yeah, yeah, we got the result we wanted. We sold the house, but we didn't get what we put into it. Our goal is to win a conference championship, not beat South Al on a Saturday afternoon. You understand? I don't understand how people don't understand that concept. Matt, what you got? I need to clear something up for, for some people because, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious that the three of us did not play Division One college football. However, we're not Joe Blows that don't understand the game either. No, we, I mean, know, we, we know the game, but what people probably don't know is that during the game, while we're recording, while people are listening to our episodes, past and, and just recent players are texting us and saying, this is constantly. what we're seeing. This is what we're seeing. We have coaches that text us and say, this is what we're seeing. This is what we're seeing. We're not just shooting from the hip, man. This is not just some idiot drunk fan on the yeah, couch. We, we, we know what the hell we're talking about. We talk to people that know what the hell they're talking about. But, you know, it, it, it's funny because we make these comments on social media, me in particular. But, you know, I'm whining. I'm a whining fan. We're whining about this program, guys. And you know that we're four and one. And we're supposed to just be happy with that. We spend so much time and, and effort in all these things that we do with the podcast and, and other things. But we do that just so we can whine. We do all of that. We right. invest all of our time and effort just so we can bitch and complain. That's because that's what we want to do. I mean, come on. Come on, man. Yeah. Well, I guess, again, it's okay. Look, you can be any type of Cajuns fan you want. Um, I think for us, we try to analyze what we see. And sometimes what we see is not pretty. Um, You know, the game against Nichols, some people are happy with a 27-24 win. I'm not because I think – and now 20 years ago when we were 1-10 and and we won 27-24, yeah, I'll be happy because we won a game, right? But this isn't this isn't 20 years ago. This isn't the one in 10 Cajuns anymore. This is a team that was ranked in the top 15 last year. This was a team that that is that is being put on the map as one of the best G5 programs, if not one of the you know top 50 programs in America right now. You know, <laughs> so what that what does that mean? Well, your standards automatically go up by default. So the results are expected to be returned in that regard. And look, again, it's a win. Well, all these look, we're not complaining about the actual win. But again, you start playing better competition and you play like this, you're not going to win. And we're going to have to come back and say, well, we, this is what we've been saying for all along. And I hope I'm wrong. I hope Tuesday night, this Cajuns team that, sh- that shows up to Cajun field, I hope they show up looking like the team that dominated Iowa State last year. And do I think they're capable of doing that? You darn right I do. But they have to go do it. They have to go do it. Go produce. Show us something. Yeah, I wonder... I wonder so when we critique the game or we have a complaint or whatever, we're whining. I wonder what people would say if the head coach of the football team we're talking about had similar opinions to ours. 
And it just so happens that he gave an interview last week and echoed what we said. And so we're going to play that clip. I want to hear from the man himself. Is he whining or is he being honest? Six wins. Uh, between last season and this season by games, you know, by, by four or less. You guys have been able to win the close games, Coach. Uh, and somebody said, you know, what do you think their big positive takeaway is from Saturday? Uh, somebody asked me this yesterday. I said that they got the win. I mean, you got the W. And I think when you have a standard to set at Louisiana, one that you guys speak openly about in the goals, you know, you might get a win. Maybe you didn't play up to that standard. So perhaps the locker room or the bus ride isn't as celebratory as it may be otherwise. But at the end of the day, you know, I know you don't lose sight of a coach, but I, I got to stress, nobody can lose sight of the fact that the win. I mean, you got the win. At the end of the day, the most important stat from Saturday night was the final score. Well, I'm glad you think that way, but I'm more concerned with the areas of our team that we've got to get better, right? We've got... Uh, we got to play with more consistency. You know, we, we have bright spots every week, uh, but I'm not very happy with the consistency that we're playing with right now. So I think on offense, defense, and special teams, we're getting closer, uh, but we got to put it all together. You know, we, we're fortunate to win the game Saturday, uh, but I'm looking for more consistency across the board. Um, you know, we do a lot of things well, but every week uh, there are areas of our team that are preventing us from, you know, performance or our potential. Uh, and that's what I'm focused on. Whining are, he literally said what we said in the reaction pod, but it's from the head coach, yeah. from the head coach. So it's just honest uh, analysis. But when we say it, just whining. There's there's a clip uh, that was part of that audio where he also brought up a point about um, he says something along the lines of sometimes the worst thing that could happen to you is you play badly and win the game. So we got work to do. And that's what we're going to get started on here today. Um, he said it's time to get back to work. Um, he said we are four and one. It is October, but this is a big month for us. So he even said it. He said, even, you know, the worst thing that could happen is you play bad and you still win. What is he talking about? He's talking about complacency, you know, getting complacent, being okay with the fact that you look sloppy and still get the win. Oh, but you won the game anyway. Well, I think he's kind of reiterating what we're talking about moving forward where the schedule gets tougher in October and November. Um, playing like you did last Saturday might get you a few L's on the record column. And he understands that. And I'm glad he understands that. You know, I, I think, Bill is a, a straight shooter. He's not going to give you the typical coaches speak. Um, he's very open. He's very honest. And he does it in a very chill way. If you noticed, you know, he didn't get, he, he didn't get mad about anything. He's just very straightforward. You know, we have to get better. So I was very impressed or very intrigued by his response there. Matt, are you, are you whining or is, is Billy whining or what's, what's going on? Apparently I'm whining, you know, there, there, there's nothing that, that Billy didn't say in that clip that isn't true. Um, this team does need to get better. And yes, you know, nobody's denying that everybody's satisfied with four and one because that's exactly where we're supposed to be five weeks in. But again, like I said earlier, two plays away from being two and three with a loss to an SES team. That's not acceptable with the 
the standards that we have started to create here. I'm not okay with that. I'm not okay with running through the West and then not being able to win a conference championship. I am not okay with playing in the damn first responder bowl. We're better than that. Our fan base, our 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 whole th- damn community has worked too hard and put too much into this for us to say, oh, well, you know, we won the West Division. Great season. No, those damn Western Division trophies are about to become some doorstoppers. It's time to win a damn conference championship. But, you know, I'm whining, so let's let's move on. Yeah, well, look, we put it to bed. We said plenty about South Al and the reaction, so our fans just need to work on their expectations, you know. We, we, we've moved on from the basics of, you know, like when you're dating somebody, do they have a job? Do they take care of themselves? That was in the 90s. <laughs> we, we, we are, we're moving on to, like... We're, we're engaged and this guy is successful and, uh, you know, we would like to have children. Do, do, yeah. do I enjoy him? Right. Like, we, we've covered the right. basics. We're moving on to bigger and better things. So anyway, Jerry, let's talk about realignment real quick. Uh, Colorado State and Air Force told Mike Oresco, thanks, but no thanks. We're all set over here. I think it was the right decision for them, honestly. Seems like the AAC is kind of meandering right now. Uh, I think they have had their reputation hurt a little bit by now four schools saying thanks, but no thanks. What do you think happens now? I know we're in a little bit of a lull. Uh, where, where are we headed? I just feel like right now things are kind of put on standstill because of the fact that Colorado State and Air Force said no. I think Mike Oresco and the American Conference expected them to say yes. And so because of that, I think that would have caused a little bit of a domino effect. But because there's been no moves that have been made, everything is now on a standstill to where people are just assuming. Because really, the, the next question is, in those secret meetings, what, what's the next strategy of the American Conference? Where do they go now? Um, you know, they, they're still, they still have to make up for losing not only big markets, but really good teams in big markets. You know, UCF being in Orlando, Cincinnati being in Cincinnati. Houston being in Houston. So where do you, where do you go to make up for that? Well, if the Mountain West schools are saying no, then what other options do you have? Do you stick with the Charlottes and the FAUs or do you go after the Louisianas and the apps? And I know we've talked about that a lot, but that's something they're going to have to really discuss inside of their, those meetings, because now that those two schools said no, it really changes it changes the whole landscape of, of what, what do we do next? It's like, it's like the song feeling this from blank 182, right? Where do we go from here? You know, where do they go from here? We don't know. And so that also has an effect on, on, on the Sun Belt. that has an effect on Comet USA that has an effect. Maybe the mountain West might want to expand. I think we've talked about it, right? I kind of, I kind of hope though, that the, that the Sun Belt is still being active in their discussions with the Southern Misses and the, 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 the Marshalls and the UTSAs. Like, I really do hope that they are conversing, regardless of what the American's doing. You know, at the end of the day, yeah, you could talk about the American, but at, I think the Sun Belt needs to look after the Sun Belt, too. So we're going to find out, but, but I think things are kind of on hold now, now that the, uh, those two Colorado schools said no. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think we're not going to see anything for a little bit right now. Uh, I am intrigued by a few things. SMU to the Mountain West Conference makes so much sense in so many ways. 
I would like to see that happen. I think that strengthens the league immediately. It gives them a huge market in the Dallas Fort Worth area. I think that makes just too much sense for it not to happen. And, you know, the rumors are that that's happening. So I'm intrigued by possibly USM and maybe some schools out east to the Sun Belt. Seems like they're being aggressive. Keith Gill gave an interview just this week, I think, that yeah, he does. He did what he always does. He said absolutely nothing. But the fact that he's getting in front of cameras and releasing things gives me some hope that he's actually, you know, showing up, putting on his suit and going to work, which is more than he did last year. So that's good. I still think that the Big 12 is not done. I think Memphis is, is a formality. They're gone. I think that Navy has a decision to make and we should probably pay attention to them a lot more than we are for now, at least. I think that we're fine where we are in the Sun Belt, and if they're going to expand, like we, it's rumored, uh, I, I, geographically from an expense standpoint, uh, I don't think the AAC is where the Cajuns need to be with this watered-down version of it. Especially if you lose Memphis, and especially if you lose Navy, and and possibly SMU now. So, I don't I don't know what the future looks like for the AAC, but I think they're closer to a bad result than they are a good result, just because of how the if he's really going to start leaning markets and completely ignore geography, that's Kusa 2.0, man. It's like we talked about with Rick. It, it, how can you repeat that mistake? It was a total and complete failure. Never thought I would say this. And, and, I, and I think our fans have always wanted to find maybe, is there a better opportunity than the Sunbelt Conference? But the way things are panning out now, if the Sunbelt makes a move and is active in adding Southern Miss or Marshall, and then the American goes after a Charlotte or an FAU and sticks by that big market plan. I really think that really the Sun Belt might be a better fit for us as at that moment, because, you know, if that happens, number one, you're poaching schools from Conference USA. OK, and Marshall, even though Southern Miss hasn't been as valuable, but Marshall's valuable to that conference. And then if they go after, if the American goes after a few of those Conference USA schools, that could be four to five teams that Conference USA loses. So where do they go? Well, they're not going to go after the Sun Belt because pretty much most, if not almost every athletic director in the Sun Belt has stood firm saying we like where everything is now and we have thought about expansion if possible. So they're going to go after maybe a New Mexico state. They may go after a Liberty. I know nobody really is that intrigued by Liberty. They might have to go the FCS route. So really, I, I mean, the Sun Belt's in a good place. They just have to play their cards right. I don't think Kusa survives this. They're DOA, man. Because they're losing. They will. I don't know if it's going to be to the Sun Belt, but it could be to the AAC. Who knows? They will be losing their most coveted possessions in a Marshall, a USM, uh, you know, a UTEP, and, and maybe some others. They're losing those schools. Well, and, if you take it, I mean, look, man, you got UAB that's possibly going to the And American UAB, I didn't mention that. You've got FAU and you've got Marshall. Three of those schools have played in conference championships recently. So those are your best teams in football that could be gone. So what are you, what are you left with value wise? What are you left with? Not much. You know, it, it, it's mind blowing. Five years ago when the American really came into its own, you had Houston, you had Cincinnati, you had these big G5 powers for, for a school like Louisiana, the American was, the goal. Like, that's where we need to be. Dude, in the last two months, the Americans kind of becoming an afterthought. You know, all these schools are getting coached 
And Mike Oresco is starting to look a little desperate, for lack of better words. And so now he's going after TV markets. Do not be surprised if Charlotte, Georgia State, FAU are in the American in a couple of years. But no, I agree with you guys perfectly. Cusa will not survive this. And the American becomes Cusa 2.0, basically, which is uh, absolutely mind-blowing from where we were just a few years ago. If, but Georgia, no, um, if Georgia State ends up in, in the AAC, I'm just telling you from, from a reputation standpoint across the country, their brand takes a hit. Because oh, for sure. Georgia State can't draw flies to their football games, much less anything for else. Sure. So you you literally only marry Georgia State for the Atlanta market, and that is not how you build a successful, sustainable conference. Well, no. I mean, Rick said that the other night. Going after TV markets will only kill you. If the Sun Belt is being proactive and they do end up you know, bringing in Southern Miss to the Sun Belt, bringing in Marshall to the Sun Belt, I don't know, maybe go after one of those West Texas schools, UTSA, UTEP. You bring schools like that into the Sun Belt, I, I don't think the case is going to go anywhere. Not, not right now, at least. Yeah, I like where we stand. And I think I, I, think I said UTEP earlier. I meant UTSA, the Roadrunners. My bad over there in San Antonio, guys. Yeah, I think I think the Cajuns are in a good position right now. Again, I never thought I'd say this, but I would be happy staying in the Sun Belt as long as the Sun Belt's proactive here. Um, they're in a good position. They're in a very good position. And, and as much as I hate to admit it, you know, with coastal success, with what the Cajuns have done in the past three seasons, with App's reputation, you know, we have a strong enough brand to be able to maintain a good, solid conference. You know, your Texas States need to get better. Your ULMs, I mean, Terry Bowden, if he can find a way to get them bowl eligible, that'll be a miracle in itself, but that would be huge. Uh, Georgia State needs to live up to its reputation and get better. Georgia Southern, even with the fact that they have an interim coach, they always find a way to bounce back. Troy's usually competitive. You've got teams in this kind. So South Alabama's on the rise. You saw it last week. So you've got teams... You've got you got the core of the conference, even though you've got, you know, basically it's Louisiana, Coastal and App in the top three. You got the other teams below that that are still kind of on the rise and have potential to uh, improve their own brands. You know, Arkansas State goes to bowl games every year. They're having a down season. You know, they're going to bounce back. So you've got teams in the conference outside of just the top three right now that can actually do a lot of things. Look, Troy beat LSU in 2017. They were a top 25 team for a few weeks. Georgia Southern, you know, they, they've been spoilers in the past. You've got teams that, that have reputations in this conference outside of the top three right now that have done great things. If you get all of that combined, this could be a very, very, very competitive G5 conference, if not one of the best. We mentioned Rick a couple of times. Rick Jones' interview that we did, uh, the title of it is Realignment and the Raging Cajuns brand. If you haven't listened to the episode, Go check it out. I want to thank Rick again, and but most importantly, thank all the listeners and all of the people that have given us feedback and commented. That was such a fun episode to do. He was full of information. I mean, like I say, it's meat and potatoes stuff that you don't get from from anywhere else. And uh, I can't believe the the first of all the reaction is is humbling. I mean, I, I don't I can't think of a different word. It, it is humbling. It's unbelievable the amount of attention that podcast got. So I just wanted to bring that up and say thanks to Rick again and thanks for everybody listening. That was that was really cool. 
I, I was very humbled by that as well. Uh, the, the text messages, the messages over social media of, of the reactions of how people really enjoyed that interview. Look, we got, we got Rick on and, and to Rick, thank you so much, man. I mean, Rick's become a friend. He's a really good guy. He's a very knowledgeable guy. And it's so cool because, you know, we do this as a hobby. Um, but as sports fans, a lot of times we don't really dig into the meat and potatoes of the TV markets. We don't dig into the meat and potatoes of how companies like ESPN get sponsorships, right? We don't really, a lot of us don't really understand that because we don't pay attention to it. Rick is in the, in the trenches with those kind of concepts. And he, and it was so cool for him to come on here and give us a different perspective that most of, you know, we as fans don't really understand it because we just, we just don't pay attention to it. I thought it was a really great interview. I was very uh, humbled by how Rick was so open to speaking with us about these things. And he's such a personable guy. He loves the Raging Cajun brand. He sees the potential in our programs. And when you have a guy from the outside coming in, I mean, to see, to hear him say that we can be a rival to LSU or we could be, take the Louis, implement the Louisville model. You know, he said, you look, Louisville didn't go from the Missouri Valley to the ACC overnight. Missouri. To hear that, Missouri, yeah. To hear that, that sort of parallelism to UL, to, to Louisiana, it's very, it's very intriguing to me as a Cajuns fan because he really exposed our potentials. And um, I was very, I mean, it was just a great interview overall. And, uh, you know, hopefully Rick can come back in the future, especially with everything with commentary alignment happening. If he wants to come on and talk more about that, I mean, he's welcome anytime. So we, I just look, we, we did this episode as a bridge to uh, sort of bridging the gap of a 10 day, a 10 day uh, bye week. And sure enough, it was one of the best episodes we've done. So to the fans, to, to Cajun nation, thank you so much for listening to that. Incredibly humbling uh, to, to see that reaction. I mean, definitely grateful for the, for the little fan base, little community that we've built up over the last couple of years. Thankful for you guys for sure. And, uh, man, just happy to be doing this. It is a lot of fun in it. Looking ahead to App State, guys. The football game we'll get into later, but everything ahead of a big game, we, we, we haven't done a great job of, of promoting things in the past. Uh, I kind of want to talk about the promotional challenges that we have. Uh, but Still not doing a great job now. Right. Well, before we do that, I, I know Jerry probably has the schedule right in front of him. Tailgate is going to start Monday at noon for for just fans. And I think it's seven o'clock Monday. RVs are allowed to roll in there and get set up. Am I right on that, Jerry? I think that's correct. Yeah, you can, we can definitely set up the night before on Monday, which is awesome because it'll be like a Friday night before a Saturday game, which is not very common for weeknight games. So that's, that's huge. That yeah. can create a sort of atmosphere. You have Monday to night. get it rolling before the afternoon of the game. And it's because on a weeknight, you know, you're shuffling kids here and there. You have work. You have things that you got to get done at home. You, I mean, what are you doing? Are you going to go out to Cajun Field? Let's say, let's say earliest you get there is 4 o'clock, which really is not even practical. I mean, school doesn't let out until 3. So if you have kids in school, say you get to the field at 4.30, it takes you 30, 45 minutes to get set up. You're going to tailgate for an hour, then pack everything back up, put it in the truck, walk into the game. I mean, nobody's going to do that. In my opinion, we should we should get started on Sunday. Anybody who wants to go out tailgate uh, Sunday night, go get all your stuff set up where it's the weekend. 
have it ready to roll. And, you know, we suggested to the administration that, hey, why don't we have an intra-squad game for the baseball team at the Teague on Monday? Get everybody out there. Have a, be, you know, a reason to be there. And then go set up your tailgate and everything. How about a, a Monday night watch party on the, on the big board out there t- at, uh, at the Teague? Give, it, give people something else to do. Sell, sell beer while you're there. You could do that. I mean, that's a money-making opportunity. Do a cook-off. Do, do a jambalaya cook-off. I mean, this kind of culture, our culture would love that kind of thing. Give them a reason to be there. They can set up their tailgate tents and get their cooking wear and everything out. I am disappointed by how we approach these games, but in particular, App State, Tuesday night, whole nation's going to be on Cajun Field. What we do well is we tailgate. We always have. Whether we won or we lost, you knew that parking lot was going to be full and full of people looking to have fun and, and cooking and making, you know, making a great time out of it. Why aren't we harnessing that better for App State? I mean, come on. You know, you know I'll, I'll say this, and, and I hate to give credit to that school on the other side of the base, but LSU does this thing where – you know, a couple hours before kickoff, the band goes into the PMAC and they do like a little pep rally. And dude, I'm, I'm telling you as a kid, every time I went to an LSU game, that PMAC was loaded. Why aren't we doing things like that? Why aren't we having, you know, a Monday night pep rally with the band and the cheerleaders and, you know, whatever else? Why aren't we, like you said, inter-squad baseball scrimmage? Why aren't we doing a basketball scrimmage? Why aren't we doing something? Like, just put some, just put asses on Reinhardt Drive Monday night. Uh, I don't don't know a reason why. I've not been given a reasonable, practical explanation of why it, it can't happen, why it shouldn't happen. I mean, maybe Jerry has an opinion on why it shouldn't or couldn't, but I don't see it. It doesn't cost you anything to have the, the team practice on Monday. It doesn't cost you anything to turn on the the, the big board out in, in uh, left field at the Teague and have people just sell beer to them, have them set up their tailgate. And then you sit around and, and hang out with your buddies in the stands for a couple hours and you're ready to go for Tuesday night. You, everything's already set up. All you, all you have to do is show up and you can start tailgating again. Why, why did that not happen? You know, Rick, Rick said in the interview the other day, um, one thing that's special about the Raging Cajun brand is that we're an outlier. And part of the reason why he thinks we're an outlier is that we don't have to be fake to show who we are. Um, you know, other, it's interesting because when I talk to people from out of state, anywhere else in the country, and they come down to Louisiana, the first thing they talk about is the food. The second thing they talk about is the music. And the third thing they talk about are the people. Um, you know, when we go, and I guess we take it for granted because it's as Cajuns, that's who we are, but you go to a, you know, if we go to a, a football party, a Halloween party, a Christmas party, you know, you're, somebody's going to bring a link of boudin. Somebody's going to bring cracklings. Somebody's going to cook a gumbo. That's just who, that's our culture. That's that we're used to that. This is everyday life for us. And, and I think that's something that to me, that I think we, whether we do it well or not, that's something we do need to sell to the Raging Cajun brand is to show that we're Cajun, sell who we are as, as a people. That's what makes our, I think that's what Rick means when he says we're an outlier is that we as people market the athletic brand. You know, when you go to a tailgate, 
you know, outside of a, maybe a few schools in Louisiana, you're not going to get a gumbo. You're not going to get a home cooked jambalaya. You're not going to get meatball stew or pork stew. You're not going to get that type of food anywhere else. You're not going to, you're not going to learn how to Cajun dance. Uh, and look, one thing I will give credit to the university for, and they did, they did a good job. This particular game is that they will have some decent performers at the tailgate. I know, um, Dustin Sonier is going to be performing under the Oak. And then you've, and actually they got Michael Scott Boudreaux in the big band playing at the student tailgate starting at four o'clock with the Rage and War pep rally. So I think they're putting a look, they're putting some effort there. I think they're doing agree. a good job. I, I to agree. Me, to me, though, let, let me say this one thing me, real quick. Okay. I, all those things are wonderful and I'm glad they did it. But why didn't they announce it Monday? Why didn't they announce it Sunday? You waited until Thursday. You waited until four days out. Do you know you know how people are around here? They're going to plan. There are events. We have, you know, right now there's no festivals running. But typically, you have festivals every weekend. We have a problem messaging. Our messaging is broken. You don't tell the, fan, the, the students and the fans four days before the biggest game of the year, hey, we're going to have a concert. You tell them on Monday. You give them a week to, play, to plan and prepare. Yeah, I mean, I, I, think, I think this time it's... Um... I think for this particular game, I'm glad they're doing something about that. I'm glad they're actually having those two concerts separately. I think you do, because look, this game, regardless, you have to get the students out of there, man. You've got to get the students to the game. Um, and so they're putting forth effort there. You know, timing wise, look, I'm, I'm not an event planner. I, you know, I really have no say in that. But as long as they're putting forth an effort, I do think there needs to be consistency in anything you do, right? You have to be consistent there. Um, but no, I, I like the idea that you talked about maybe Monday night having a tailgate. Heck, go, I don't know if it's, I don't know whether it's allowed or not. Go put the Monday night football game on, on Monday night, you know, at the Teague, um, have, have, uh, like I said, an inner squad scrimmage, whatever. I mean, I think just anything to get, I think like Matt said, anything to get people around Reinhard drive, uh, Monday night. Cause you know, Tuesday, the reality is simple. Not everybody's going to be able to get off of work. You know, we all are going to have work. We're all going to have stuff to do. But for the people that don't, they have a place to go, right? You know, people are taking off on Tuesday for the game. They can get there early and, and, and pregame a little bit earlier than a regular weeknight game where they're showing up at 6 o'clock for a 6.30 kickoff. So something to add some atmosphere to Cajun Field. I hope there is. Um, because I think regardless of whether or not they do it, we need people at that game Tuesday night. You know, I'm already hearing negative talk about we're not going to get this many people. We're not going to get that many people. It's a weekday game. Whatever you can to get over 20 something thousand people there, you got to do it. I mean, you just do. This is a big time moment for us. Big time moment, big time game. And that's my issue with the way that they promoted it. And it always you, is. You know, you know, I, I, I got to say something else also. Why? So App State at home, ESPN. I mean, this game basically sells itself. However, why isn't this game a whiteout, a blackout, a some something to get the fan experience involved? And I know Billy's a traditionalist when it comes to uniforms, and I respect that. I really do. Why aren't we wearing some kind of special uniform for this game? Like you said earlier, Josh, the entire country is going to be watching Cajun Field. Because, I'm sorry, outside of playoff baseball, what the hell else are you going to be watching on Tuesday night? We got to like, do better. It's literally, it's, we, 
and and we've done this for years now. We have golden marketing opportunities and we do nothing with it. Nothing. I feel like we USL'd this thing and we've got to get better going forward. Somehow or another, we've got to get to the people that do the messaging and the promotions. We've got to make them understand. You got to get way out in front of these things. But anyway, we've we've wind uh, wind enough. You guys stay tuned. Behind enemy lines coming up next. Rage review. Chris Russo of Russo Exploration encourages you to donate to the Raging Cajun Athletic Foundation. The RCAF, the official fundraising arm of Louisiana Athletics, supports over 400 student-athletes across 16 NCAA sports. You can invest in the RCAF today for as little as $5 a month. Just go to myrcaf.org to get started or call 337-851-RCAF. As always, donations to the RCAF are tax-deductible. Your investment today will enrich the lives of every athlete that puts on the vermilion and white. Go Cajuns! Schilling Distributing Company, Acadiana's top alcohol distributor for over 70 years, has been a proud supporter of Louisiana Athletics for many of those years. Now, they've kindly decided to become the exclusive distributing sponsor of the Rage and Review podcast. This is just another chapter in Schilling Distributing's rich history of giving back to the Lafayette community. Starting as an Anheuser-Busch exclusive distributor, they're now expanded to include local brews for your sipping pleasure. Schilling Services over 1,500 local businesses throughout the Acadiana area, employing 160 Ragin' Cajun residents, and they boast over 1,400 years of combined experience. Corporately headquartered right here in Lafayette at 2901 Moss Street, Schilling Distributing encourages Cajun Nation to enjoy their beverages responsibly and reminds you to download the Liquid Finder app today. interview happy to bring back aj and charles from the black and gold podcast best podcast on the mountain i've been told one of the best podcasts in the g5 for our money and uh, we always enjoy visiting with these guys aj big c what's up man glad to have you guys back thanks for having us glad to be here excited excited for this yes indeed ready to play some ball glad to welcome app state back to lafayette we'll get into this a little bit later but it's been kind of fun to get to know you you guys personally, but really get to know your fan base, make the trip up to Boone a few times, a couple championship games. It's it's a fun rivalry. You know, I was joking with Jerry yesterday and I said, you know, App State is like our dickhead cousin, right? It's like we, 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 we like secretly look up to him, 
uh, right? And then, and then when you see them at the family reunion, you hate their guts, right? Because they make fun of you and they and they give you a noogie, you know. So that that's where we're at. to give noogies. Yeah, right, right. So so that's where we're at with App State. And uh, look, it's it's awesome to have a, a team in the league that we can we can measure ourselves against. And uh, you know, just kind of want to talk about that a little bit tonight. Obviously, we'll talk about the game and uh, we'll get into a few other things. But I know Jerry probably wants to start off with his questions. Uh, we we've got some questions here that we'd like to get through if not we'll bullshit and have a good time we can do both of those things Hell yeah. Yeah. Hey, no, nothing wrong with that well i'll just start by asking this i mean so far the mountaineers are four and one um you've had some pretty solid wins especially a big win on tv uh, we got to watch it here in acadiana nice win against the marshall thundering herd actually a beautiful comeback uh, of yeah. course you lost a heartbreaker to miami but so far uh what are your impressions of the mountaineers uh, i know you have a new quarterback chase price still have some returning talent like cameron peoples um what what are you seeing so far with with the way that they performed and uh what do you expect in the next few weeks Charles, you want to? I'll start. Yeah. I mean, I think a good way to put it is we're on schedule. Um, if, if you're going to look at the, you know, the way the schedule shakes out and you're like, if you're one of those guys who can sit there and, and, and mark W's and L's, you know, on, on the schedule and say, what game are we most likely to win and what, which one might we have trouble with and lose? I mean, you know, you're probably going to look at this being four and one. Um, we knew we were better than, um, than East Carolina as a matter of just putting it on the field and putting a number on the board. Um, we wanted revenge with Marshall because of what happened last year is a bad, bad showing for us in 2020. And, and, and the other two, um, you know, that's, those, those are games you just knew were going to happen. So, um, you know, we're, we're, we're right on schedule. I mean, Miami hurt because we knew that if things went the right way, um, that we could probably win that game but we obviously didn't do enough and we made some mistakes so when you make mistakes at a power five uh, on the road with, with um you know typically their refs and all that good stuff you're just that's just gonna happen you know so um we, we like where we are um we feel like we've there's definitely room to improve and uh it's, it's and it's october now that's the best part of this is that this is when we always hit our stride um, the best games are coming up in October, and uh, we've been looking forward to this two-week little uh, trip right here in uh, early October um, for a long time. You know, Billy Napier said that the other day uh, in a Monday morning interview. He said that uh, this stretch in October is always very important because now you're getting to the heart of conference. You're starting to play some really tough competition. I mean, these games mean something now. Uh, it's not your typical non-conference game where you play your FCS and then you, you know, you play your money game. Now it's like every game counts. Um, you've had two home games so far at the Rock uh, Kid Brewer Stadium. is It's a very impressive uh, setting out there. Uh, you guys have a great stadium atmosphere. Judging by the two games, I had the chance to watch Elon. Of course, like I said, we watched the Marshall game, but man, the attendance has been outstanding. Uh, talk a little bit about that. Is it the excitement now that kind of things are getting back to normal? And then you have that end zone addition that looks really, really impressive. Uh, what's been your impression so far of the atmosphere at, uh, at the Rock? Um, you know, the, the Elon game, the, you know, when, when you have so many weekday games as we have in the Sun Belt, you get, you're really limited on when you can do your gimmicky, your homecoming or your family weekend or, or whatever. Family weekend, you know, historically is not a great crowd. Um, you know, you get moms and dads coming up the mountain and um, usually it's their first, you know, first half game or, or whatever. So you're not getting as engaged crowd. 
and it's it's Elon, so you know you're you're gonna have that. Um, but you know, ultimately, it all came back to full speed ahead with Marshall. Um, I, I told my buddy that you know Charles and I sit on opposite sides of the stadium, um, so I'm looking at the, the home side. I told my buddy, I said, if, if you had dropped me in the middle of this game, and and said, what do you think? I would have assumed it was a Saturday night game. It did not feel like a wee night game. It was packed. It was super loud. Um, fans were engaged. Students were loud. Uh, I was super impressed. So the Elon game, you know, Elon was giving us all they got. They were, they were throwing those, you know, those underneath passes and those passes out to the sideline, the high completion passes, just kind of being annoying. And it wasn't a very fun game to watch, but um, having big crowds back at Kid Brewer and it being loud and that North End Zone facility makes it really, really loud. Um it's just, it's great to be back. It really is. And the crowd, especially for that Marshall game was awesome. So we're looking forward to, you know, that coastal game in the midweek, but then we have another um, Saturday home game at the end of this month against um, Monroe. And so we're looking forward to that, but it's been, it's been good. I think 2020 kind of, we all took, you know, what college football was for granted a little bit. And we looked back and, and, you know, we had crowds of 2,170 because that's all they can allow in and stuff like that. And, um, we were going to be hungry for that. You know, the, the revenge factor helps. Um, but our fan base is one that's always been one that shows out the travel well. Um, and they wanted to see good football and they wanted to be, you know, in boom. And it's, you know, our, it's a small college town, but most everybody drives off the mountain. It's a destination for a lot of people. And so they, you know, they took that Thursday and they took that Friday and they stayed a week, you know? Yeah. Um, and that was a lot to ask of a fan base that had a, a home game five days before, right? Uh, we had a game in Charlotte, which is two hours from Boone, um, start the season. And then um, that same point, you know, and this is not really football program related, but there was a concert for Luke Combs that was the Saturday after we played ECU in, in Charlotte on a Thursday. And that had 34,000 people there. And that would have had 34,000 people there regardless of, uh, of when it was. But it, did, it surely didn't hurt. So um, we've, we've had some pretty, you know, we've been in front of some pretty impressive crowds. Um, you know, honestly, of, of all the of all the games, you know, obviously we've been Georgia State last week, so we know what that's like. Um, and, and going to Miami, like I saw some crowd shots down there that weren't great. So uh, our players love it. You know, they want to play in front of our fans, and our fans really want to see their team play in front of them. So they kind of, it's like everybody's patting themselves on the back kind of a deal in a, in a good way. So, Well, I can tell you on TV, it showed well. Um, and, and we'll get into TV numbers because I have a question about that later, but it got a million plus views for two, you know, hmm. pretty recognizable G5 brands. I thought that was a pretty salty number on a weekday. Uh, it looked hmm. great. It was packed. It, it showed well for the league. And I was, I was happy for you guys. I was happy for us, actually. Happy for the Sun Belt. Um, what what is your history with Marshall? I don't know if you guys have a rivalry. I know you're closer in geographical location, mm. but what what is oh, the yeah. history there? Yeah, that's <laughs> go ahead, AJ. I'll fill the blanks. Yeah, so um, you guys obviously know that you know you know us and Georgia Southern don't get along too well. Um, imagine that amplified. Okay, really? So at, yes. So App wow. State, yes, App State Marshall were in the same conference for over twenty years. Um, and through the late eighties and through the nineties, um, you're talking about slug fests and, uh, fighting for who's going to be at the top 
of the Southern Conference. Um, there were some legendary matchups in the late 80s and, and through the 90s um, between those teams. Marshall is, you know, saying this on our, our post game, they're, they're so opposite to us in style. You know, and I'm, I'm talking about just looking, just using your eyes. You know, they're white and that Kelly green. We're black and you know, black and that yellow gold. And um, they're so opposite. They're so stark, you know. When um, their fans travel really well, they love their program. Um, and th- that's been true for years and years. I've, I've had alums uh, from the 80s and, 90, and I, I'm giving the 70s uh, not enough credit here. I mean, really, for that 20 years, it's been a really intense rivalry. But I've had alums from those those eras say, I hate Georgia Southern. I hate Marshall much worse. And um, uh, yeah, so that, that that's that is a that is a rivalry that we are drooling to have back. Uh, App State traveled really well last year when we went to Marshall for a Thursday night. Um, there were a ton of Marshall people there for Thursday night. There were a lot of Marshall people there. I'm, I'm telling you, it, it's a match made in heaven to, to be able to have those guys back uh, playing with us again. We're um, I think we're going back up there next year. Right. Is that right? Yeah. Charles? We're going back yeah. Up next year. yeah. Um, so it, you know, we, we want them back. So yeah, there, there's history there. Now these guys are playing on the field. They have no, idea. they, right. they wanted yeah. to beat Marshall because of what happened last year, which they should have. I mean, obviously, but, um, the, the Marshall preview show we had, um, we had a guy that we, you know, we, we have a great relationship with. He, he played offensive line for app in the nineties. He was part of five of those matchups. Um, uh, between Boone and Marshall and and to hear him talk about those moments and those times, man, I mean, it's crazy. So, yeah, a lot of history, um, a lot of history with Marshall. We're really hoping that something can happen to where we can play football with them on a more regular basis, whether that's them joining the Sun Belt or whatever happens. But, um, yeah, that was a gratifying win, and there's a rich history there that would benefit both fan bases if it was renewed again. So Georgia Southern came into the Southern Conference in, I think it was 1993. They couldn't uh, win the title. And then Marshall left in 96. Um, and, and as much as AJ mentioned about how we're different, we're also so like the Georgia Southern oh, yeah. fan base and the Marshall fan base and our fan base because we, we're going to let you know how we feel about our team. You know, yeah. uh, and we're going to follow them, and we're going to pay attention. So, and that's why I think we butt heads. It's because we're so alike. We're both alphas. Yep. Um, so, you know, we saw Marshall on the schedule. You know, we knew what that was going to bring. Uh, we were actually pretty. You know, the uh, the TV networks, old Mickey Mouse, did a really good job of keeping that. Uh, game being moved to a Thursday on the download for quite a bit. Uh, we had we actually had heard rumors that was going to be a uh, thing several months before because we knew what that needed to be was on like a Saturday night. Yeah. Uh, but we got the Saturday night crowd anyway, like AJ was yeah. mentioning. So uh, yeah, tons and tons of history there. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's right on par, if not if not better than Georgia Southern, in my opinion. That's it's awesome. Interesting. We want them in. I mean, we want them in the Sun Belt. Sorry for stepping on you there, Jerry, but we want them in the Sun Belt no, for a multitude of reasons. Uh, but but look, that was a great football game to watch, just from a college football fan perspective, and I, I loved it. Yeah, just the pers- you start watching games differently when there's a possibility of a future uh, Sun Belt Conference member playing a current conference member. So, you know, we know the history with App. I knew that there was a little bit of martial history, but I had no idea that it was is that an utter hatred, which is awesome. We need more hatred in our conference. We need more yeah. hatred in college football. Again, that's what we really need. But uh, <laughs> I, 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 wanted to, I wanted to 
push forward. Look, you guys mentioned Miami, and that is not as important when it comes to conference, but what did you learn about your football team when they went down to Miami? Because we learned a hell of a lot when we went to Austin. And just curious, those type of games, those out-of-conference games, you, you can learn a ton, and it really helps you walking into conference schedule. So just curious about how Miami shook out. You know, I, I watched the game, so I know about how it shook out, but how did you guys feel about the team, and what did you learn after that? Well, I, I have some thoughts on that, but Charles, I didn't know if you wanted to yeah, say something. I, I think we'll probably say opposite things here or, or just different things. Um, I was cautious that we can compete with Miami because from what I had seen, I mean, you watch that Alabama game, um, you're like, okay, Alabama's obviously who they are. We know what they're capable of. Um, but it, I didn't see a lot from Miami, right? Like I was like, are they just the Derek King show? And do they like need him to be good? And I, I wasn't vocal about it going into that game because I felt like if we could limit him and what he did with his feet, that we had a really good shot. Um, and, and we did for quite a bit. So um, I don't know if it told us anything more about who we were or what our team was at that point. But it's it's like all these coaches, you know, when they when they have post game interviews and 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 you know pre game pressers and things like that, they're very complimentary of App State. Um, we've heard it. It's not just coach speak because we've um, it's it just comes differently. It sounds differently. Um, AJ's going to hear me say this for the third time, but I'm going to say it again. Uh, they ask, you know, the ESPN, what was it, you or two crew comes on and they say, uh, so Coach Coach Manny Diaz, how, how was that game? And, or what did you think about App State or something? And, and, and he goes, well, this is just what they do. This is what they do. They, they, they give people a hard time. And we've heard that from James Franklin and uh, Bush Jones and, and all the guys in between. So, um, it, it, you know, it's – we are spoiled to an extent that like we we have expectations that we play on the field we play in a football game that we expect to compete and when we when we have another one slip away like we've had so many before it's frustrating but it told us that all we needed to hear is that like we're on schedule like i said before it's like we we know we have a have a good team and it just you know it kind of gave us the confidence to ourselves that like look we're still breaking a new quarterback this is game three and we're there you know and we're getting there we'll be a lot better you know, the weeks down the road. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I agree with what Charles said, um, you know, but more specifically, you know, when we go into these P5 games, um, the, the big separator a lot of times for a good G5 team versus a good P5 team is uh, can you move the ball on offense against a P5? Uh, can, can you control the clock on that side? I knew our defense was going to be great uh, because, I mean, really since 2015, um, we've had a fast, effective defense. They play assignment football. We had a great defense last year. We've only gotten better this year. Um, all the all the players we talked to in, in fall camp, you know, were like, Thomas Hannigan, super senior. He's like, this this might be the best defense I've, I've played on, um, the best defense that happened that we that I've been on um, on this roster. And it's hard it's hard to argue against that right now. I mean, they're they're playing unbelievable. However, um, I'm always skeptical about can we move the ball. I'll say this: I think we played Miami again. Uh, like this year, I think we beat them. Uh, I, I think that. Uh, well, we, we had um, a former App State quarterback on the show a couple weeks ago, and and he talked about how valuable it was to get game experience with a new team, your new quarterback coming in, but you're you're getting used to each other. You want to be in game situations. Um, I think we beat him if we if we played him again. I was also wanting to keep my eye on how well we were doing on offensive line. 
all three of our losses last year, we performed poorly uh, controlling the line of scrimmage on offense. Um, couldn't run against Marshall last year. You guys remember the 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 Cajuns you know, coming in there? It was the weirdest, dumbest game ever. With weirdest, the- dumbest, great analogy. I mean, like great yeah. analysis. It was the dumbest game I've ever watched. It was it was the weirdest, dumbest, most frustrating game. And and then Coastal, we played pretty good on the offensive line the first half, but I wanted to see how our offensive line would do. Uh, we shuffled some pieces, got a transfer, um, had a re- had a returner. So. I, I think if we played again, we, we do a much better job. I think that Chase Bryce is in a much better rhythm with his team. Um, I think he's doing a really good job, by the way. You know, he's got that, oh, he was Trevor Lawrence's backup. You know, stigma. Uh, Charles and I have been pretty vocal. We think it's unfair to hold him no. to that kind of unrealistic standard. Is he protecting the football? Is he doing a good job? The answer to those questions, yes, he's doing a good job. So, yeah. Bad quarterbacks do not commit to Clemson, period. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, let, let's be real. I mean, look, I know yeah. Clemson's struggling right now, but bad quarterbacks do not commit to Clemson. When we found yeah. out that he was going to App last year, our reaction was, are, are you are you kidding me? Really? Yeah. Like, are you freaking serious? Come on, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah, he's a good player. No, he is a good player, and I think he's getting better. Yeah. So, really, I'm, I'm kind of curious. Um, you were talking about how, I mean, really, App has a reputation for just, even in losses, giving P5 schools. Like, I remember the Penn State game a few years ago in overtime. Of course, everybody remembers Michigan. Um, and, and you had Miami come to Boone in 2016. But that kind of makes me wonder. And Josh and I are curious. How is it that App gets these legitimate teams to go play in Boone? I mean, next year, you've got North Carolina coming to town. You yeah, but they're not legitimate. Yeah, <laughs> I understand, but, but it's it's a it's a respectable P. It's still a P five school. Yeah, 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 I mean, yeah. Look, I mean, we look. Louisiana hasn't had a P five since Oklahoma State in twenty ten. So we've only had two, though, guys. We've only yeah. had two. Well, yeah. it's still impressive, though, because I mean, no, look, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going down the schedule. You got North Carolina. Uh, you had Miami in twenty sixteen. You've got South Carolina in twenty thirty three. Now, granted. Toledo's yeah. not a, a, a P5, but it's a respectable, respectable G5 program. program. Absolutely. You got, some, you got some respectable programs come into yeah. town. I mean, is it is it relationships? What What is it? How, how are you able to pull off some of these decent non-conference home games? I think it, what it really comes down to is how you structure a contract. So um, the way those were, you know, the way the North Carolina series was, the South Carolina series is um, a lot of people hear the term two for one, you know, it wasn't really like a two for one. It was built into like a, a one, one, one. So we basically traded home and homes and then they paid us like a whole lot less than we would, another team would typically go to, to like play at their stadium. So whereas like, you know, if you get a G5 that goes to a P5 and then a troop buy game, they're getting paid a million, million to whatever. But we're going there for like 400 grand, you know? Because really? we, yeah, because we know wow. that's that's what it takes for us to get those kind of games, and so we just we, we'll figure the money out in the back end. We go there and win, that pays for itself. You know, <laughs> that million dollars is going to come. You know, yeah, uh, yeah. So that's you know you got to be creative with that, and that's that's how we're getting games in Charlotte with East Carolina, and how we're getting East Carolina up here, and uh, you know Toledo's a good home and home, and that's that's new. And, you know, we're, and we're going to have some more that are coming out soon. So, I mean, we've got some yeah. schedule building to do, but um, we, we've, you know, we're going to play tough teams. We're going to Texas A&M, you know, next year, right? 
AJ. Yep. So yep. our uh, our non conference next year is stupid, ridiculously hard. But we do we're going to host Carolina, <laughs> and that's going to be uh, you know the University of North Carolina. That's what we shortened it to up here. That's going to be a, a rowdy time. You know, it's going to be yep. a rowdy time of Boone, and and I think that is what the players want when they come here and they get recruited. They want to see that. They want to come to that atmosphere and say, "Dang, man." This isn't just this one-off deal. Like they, like the atmosphere is what sells the recruits to come here because our fans turn out, our students turn out, and it's wild. Yeah. Guys, here's the thing though: if you beat them again, because I know you beat them in 2019, you got to get your North Carolina State Championship rings made. Okay. <laughs> we only get we only get rings for the real things. The, the, those triangle schools can make all their state champions all they want. Oh um, man! All they're it's doing like, is lying to themselves. That's like what it's it's what the little league teams do. You know, uh, when they win their little two day weekend tournament, they play four games in two days, and they feel good. They get a ring. Those are all basketball schools pretending to play football. So. Yeah. Whatever. It's, it's, whatever it's like on the, what was it? Meet the parents. Uh, Greg, Greg gets the uh, sixth place ribbon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of good parallels between uh, Greg and the United, uh, the uh, university of uh, non-compliance uh, football team. For sure. <laughs> so no, no fake classes in uh, at app state, right? No. And you know what? You know, so side note, right. Side note real quick. So, you know, Chapel Hill has this like, you know, decades long systematic like cheating scandal that they totally get away from. App State has a Tar Heel head coach from 2010 to 2014. Jason Cable played in a couple of Final Fours or whatever. Grades went through the floor. Our team was terrible academically. We got put on postseason probation for not going to class while Chapel Hill at the same time is paying, you know, all kinds of lawyers or whatever to get out of their fake classes. So we we might not be a basketball school going to March Madness or whatever, but we got punished for not going to class. It's just it is what it is. Life, life of a G5 program, man. Yeah. Basically, basically doing the same thing that, you know, we were. And, uh, you know, you got lawyers, you can get out of anything, right? Oh, yeah. so, oh, look, hey, we know. Look, we got the death penalty in basketball for doing in the 1970s for doing exactly what every school does now. We gave away right. some so, T-shirts and they shut the program down. Yeah, oh, wow. I mean, yeah. So, so we 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 understand that. So, um, you know, you've had some big games on TV with Marshall, and 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 you were able to get uh, some good viewership with Miami. I know Louisiana had some good viewerships with when we went to Texas, and we had about seven hundred thousand views um, against Ohio for our Thursday night game back in September here at Cajun Field. You know, I have to ask, and and look, Louisiana and App. I mean, it's safe to say that they're sort of the uh, the bread and butter of the Sun Belt right now. Uh, we'll get to COVID Carolina later. That's a different story. But yeah, with, with with the Cajuns and the, and the Mountaineers, do you think with those type of TV ratings, is that is that good perception? I mean, obviously it's good perception for the Sun Belt, but does that give does that give the teams national appeal for for Sun Belt schools? Right, the perception always always oh you're a Sun Belt school, but do you think those type of views help with the perception of our conference when we get those um, when we get those type of uh, televised games? It just has to, you know. Um, now, it doesn't hurt. I think, you know, Louisiana and us in those two games, I think we were the only college games on, right, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong. Uh, that, but that certainly helps. Um, but the, the thing about our number against Marshall that was pretty cool is the fact that 
the Carolina Panthers are also playing an NFL game at the same exact time. Now, uh, I'm not saying all that fans are Panthers fans, but there's a lot of a lot of carryover there. You know, there's a lot of crossover. So uh, people had to make a decision. We're going to stay on and watch the Panthers or uh, we're going to go to Boone and be a part of a crowd of 28,000 on a week on a weeknight and uh, and enjoy that. So more impressive to me about the TV number was, the, in my opinion, the number of people we had in the stands. Yeah, I know. I, I agree with that. Um, I'm actually not, you know, I wasn't until you brought that up, uh, Jerry, I wasn't, I wasn't familiar with, um, those numbers. Uh, so that's really, that's really interesting. Um, you know, but I, you know, I hold a pretty strong opinion that ultimately, um, when it comes to G five, you're going to have those matchups that are just really, you know, if UCF played Boise, you know, kind of stuff like that, like you're going to have more national appeal, but I think it's, um, you know, the, the people that care the most about G five programs are not your casual sports fan. They're the, the alums and the fans that, that do. And, um, that's why it's important for us to, um, make app state a big deal across all of our sports because, you know, we care about app state. We know that we're, we're not the flagship, you know, that's the university of non-compliance and those other big schools that have their Walmart fans. Um, but G5, we know. <laughs> really come, yeah, I know. I know you guys are oh, in the same stuff. Oh, we I, know. <laughs> I, I totally know that. Totally get it. Um, but yeah, no, I, you know, and I, I just think it, you know, it goes to show that um, when you, when you are playing games against programs that you have a little bit of a history, a little bit of a rub. I, I know like two Marshall people, you know, but I know that historically we hate Marshall. So that rivalry isn't, that only comes from a history of competing. It doesn't come from a history of being close or kind of running in the same circles. I know a lot of NC state people, Carolina people, UNC Charlotte people that makes those games automatically more fun than say uh, if we played Kentucky, something like that, right? Um, so I think the regionality and, and the historical, like I think even now, like the, the reason why, you know, people can get um, interested in a Louisiana half state matchup is because of the fact that um, over the last few years, we've been at the top of our respective, you know, divisions and we've played championship games against each other. There's a little bit of a, a track record there that people could say, oh, there's a history there. Even though I know nobody outside of you guys that went to Louisiana, you know, you don't run into them. So right. um, you get those rivalries and those engagements in one of two ways. One, the proximity that you live around, your coworkers, your friends, and, and you know these other alums and these other fans, or you just play a team enough that you develop a rapport or um, mutual respect or competitive nature with them, and then that becomes a, a compelling matchup. Yeah, mutual respect. That's where I was going with my next question. Uh, it feels like, you know, for a while, all of the games were competitive, but you guys kicked our ass, all right? You ended up winning, you know, U-L-L-L-L-L-L. I hate, I hate <laughs> you people for that. But but it was right on, and it we was great. That, it, by the way. Yeah. A lot of people have copied us, but we started that. Well, when I well say you done. people, I mean well, you I mean, too. But, no, I and I got it, and I loved it because it fosters hate, and, you know, sports hate, obviously. It, but it yeah, fosters, yeah. like, you know, you want to cultivate that I got to get back next year and I got to give it another shot. We, we got to go up to Boone. I've been to Boone four times in three years. I, wow. I, I have never been to Conway. And that's a whole other deal. I wouldn't go there because I'm not staying in a trailer to, to stay over. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I've never been to Statesboro. Uh, there's a couple of, of cities in, in the belt that I've never been to, but I felt compelled to go to Boone. Number one, it's awesome to go. You guys really care about your football. It's a beautiful area. I could go on and on. Yeah. But... Being familiar on the field 
is what really perpetuated me to want to be there. Our fans travel pretty decently, uh, especially when we're doing championship games every every year, it seems like. Um, Do you guys feel a little bit of the same? You know, we finally got off the schneid and we beat you guys last year and and we know you're on the revenge tour. Totally get it. Uh, But but, you know, of course, if you're going to have a rivalry, even if it's friendly, there's got to be you guys have to win. We have to win. We've got to teeter back and forth. Uh, Do you guys have a similar feeling, I guess, is the question. Um, Yeah, I mean, I, you know, it was really fun. Uh, you can understand from our perspective, though. So we are basically the last kid pick for kickball in the whole FBS transition thing, right? Charlotte gets picked to Conference USA, brought to you by Facebook um, <laughs> before us. And um, and we're, you know, we're sitting around kind of bitter. Like, we know from, and it's just what I just said, we know Charlotte people. We know that people don't care about Charlotte around here. Mm-hmm. Like, they just don't. You can see Charlotte. Um, so then we get to the Sun Belt. Um, Carl Benson is a little bit of a revisionist history. He talks about like, well, it was a strategic decision. Well, it's kind of the only decision he had. I mean, he was, he was kind of in this position where who who else was he going to pick? So that first time we played you guys was your senior day. And we come in in 2014, punchy in the mouth. And Charles brings this up. And I, I love this quote from Hudspeth after that game. He basically said, because we ended up winning that game pretty handily. Kicked our fucking said, ass. Oh, you were there. I was still oh, mad. Still mad about that. <laughs> so we didn't show Hudspeth's, up at all. Well, AJ, yeah, the well, reason why the reason why is because, you know, we we're not we don't have a winning tradition like you guys. So we were right. finally starting to get over the hump. And we we had our eye on a conference championship. First one, right. first one as a charter member, and you right. guys come in and just beat the piss out of husband. And <laughs> well, people were still smitten with him at the time. And Jerry and I were, were over it. We were like the HUD, the well, HUD like, mania was over for me. Well, <laughs> so the best part though is when he said after the game, he's like, "We just got tired of them hitting us." And when he when he said that, like, uh, just we were so pumped. That's honestly how we knew we were going in the right direction. We got tired of them hitting us. And then the 2015, we were 11 and two and really didn't look back after that. So I, I will say I've enjoyed, you know, if I'm being honest, Louisiana was kind of a punchline of a joke for me until um, Napier got there. I think Napier's a, an amazing coach and you, him taking, you know, that 2018 year to the championship game. That's when it became, and, and also when, these players that we we get to know as they you know come through the program and when they leave and they go hey man Louisiana's the best team that we played this year when they say things like man that's a that's a really good team like what you know they're they're gonna be trouble going forward that's how you know that it's like okay well this is gonna be more fun it's gonna be more fun to you know do the ULLL thing because <laughs> they're actually getting good now um, and so last year although it was frustrating and in the sleet and the in the whatever I had COVID when that game was being played so I was doubly miserable i was laying on the couch you know tired and sore and we botched a game that we had the long snapper (laughs) would you yeah yeah what'd you think about that safety how did you feel about that i'm sorry say again the safety that the 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 intentional safety how'd you guys feel about that well to me it was it to me it was billy cowering in my opinion he was scared um he thought the best play was to make us drive the field further and uh, and so I was, and you got to remember we have a history with Billy Napier. He went to Furman, right? 
So we, we, you know, Oh, we know uh, all about two it. Point, well, we know that we know. I think, yeah. We told Tim Buckley about that and he took off with it. So, <laughs> Oh, Buckley, uh, my God, don't get me. Started, <laughs> um, it, it, he literally asked him the next day. He's like, wait a minute, what guys? Um, uh, but so no, I was yelling at him. I was, you know, I was on our visitor side and I was, and I was going off. I was, I was telling him he was a coward and everything and that he's scared. He playing scared to win. Um, and, uh, which I, which is funny because I think the, the title of your game or something on the schedule is scared money. Don't make money. Did you see that AJ? Yeah. Like they're doing yeah. something like, I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a coach Clark thing. I'm sure so, plenty of people have said that before, but, uh, we're going to say it's coach Clark though. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but it, it's going back to the rivalry part. Sure. You know, you want to have that back and forth. Um, you know, we've the only team that's played us close in the Sun Belt, um, as far as a series like history. It, you know, while we've been here, it's, it's been Georgia Southern. It's because that exists. Um, we beat Georgia Southern when we shouldn't have, and they've beaten us when we should. They shouldn't have. It goes both ways. But don't get me wrong. Um, I'm going to ride that. You know, I'm going to ride the fact that we're eight and zero against Georgia State. We'll, we'll take that eight and one against y'all, and, and you know, and, and everybody else in between, because. Uh, Still at this point, nobody in the Sun Belt has beaten us twice. Okay, we're, we're gonna I mean, we're gonna wear that badge, and we'll be proud of it, and we'll be ticked off when it doesn't happen. That's one hell of a stat. Be. Nobody in the belt to date. You guys have been in in eight years, nine years, eight years, seven, eight years, yeah. And nobody has two victories against seven. App State. Wow. Except except Georgia Southern. You know, I I, you know who's come the closest outside Georgia Southern. Obviously, you know who's come the closest to doing it twice. <laughs> You're asking as a trivia question. Uh, yeah, it's a trivia question. It's it's Monroe. I was gonna say They're Monroe. Not. Damn, Monroe. They they beat us in 2017, but they were really close to beating us in 2014. It was a last second field goal to beat them in 2014. Yeah, it was like 30 some seconds left. It was the last minute. Um, yeah, it was that is so on brand for Monroe. They'll be brutally <laughs> awful. And then they'll just sneak up on somebody. You know, they're the last. Do you guys know this? I mean, of course you know. Nick Saban has beaten unranked teams 100 straight times. The last team to beat Nick Saban is UL Monroe. <laughs> yes. This is yeah, the sickest, did. most ridiculous stat of all see, time. They'll, they'll ride those type of wins. I kid you not. They'll ride those type of wins and talk about, well, we're, we're, we're on our way and blah, blah, blah. And then they'll finish the season like four and eight. And yeah. you're like, how? How, how do you do that? Like, how is that yeah. possible? You know, it's crazy. It, they, they're, they are a mystery up there. It, it's, yeah. yeah. I love, I love y'all's perspective of saying Monroe's a mystery up there and there. And we're like, it's still <laughs> south to us. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Like, people are to us, they're like up the mountain. We're like, yeah, we're up the mountain, but like up in Monroe, it's just crazy. I don't know. <laughs> well, we're, yeah, it's three hours to the north of us. Right. I think what's crazy about in all of this, whether it's a rivalry or we've created a, I guess there's a sort of a mutual respect between the two schools is, you know, uh, AJ, you brought up a point about how whenever uh, App came into the Sun Belt, how you felt like you were left behind, right? Because Charlotte made the jump to Conference USA and et cetera. But for us, you know, we were left behind by like five schools in the Sun Belt that right. left for Conference USA. And so, you know, yeah, North Texas was a rival. Yeah, Middle Tennessee, Western Kentucky. And, and it wasn't just football. It was basketball and baseball too. Western yeah. Kentucky was a our, our arch rival in basketball. And so, you know, when FIU left, they were an arch rival in baseball. FAU and, and all those schools that went, they thought they could make the quote-unquote move up 
the Conference USA. We can laugh about that now. But it's it's ironic because whenever I think for us, whenever App State and Georgia Southern got the phone call, um, we kind of knew the history for both schools. But it was for us, it was a wait and see game yeah, because ULM, believe it or not, made the move up in 1994 when they jumped up to Division One A and. I'm not sure if App has ever run into ULM back in the 80s whenever they were playing in the playoffs, but... We did they, not, I don't think. Well, so, but I'm sure it was kind of in the same, you know, the same brackets and or whatnot or in a different bracket, but they were always going to the playoffs. Yeah. Since they moved up in 1994, they have had one winning season. And so for us, you know, and we knew about the Michigan win. We knew the national championships that you had won under Jerry Moore, but it was more of, okay, can App do that moving up? And like you guys said, man, look, mad respect, mad props. I mean, to be able to maintain that type of success, I just want to tell you guys, and I, I got friends that are Alabama fans, and I tell this to them too. I hope you guys don't take that for granted because that's a very hard thing to accomplish uh, when you make a move up like that and still maintain that success. You know, winning bowl games, winning conference championships, beating P5s. It's, it's, it's very impressive. I mean, as a Cajuns fan, I have to compliment you guys on the success. Yeah, we, we, we try to keep it in perspective, Charles and I both, of, of you know, it's not going to last forever. Um, you know, everybody has a reset at some point. Um, and what's really funny, you mentioned maintaining a level of success. 2010, 11 weren't great teams for App, and then 13 had a losing season. So we won all those championships and the, kind of the Michigan afterglow, everything everybody talks about. But it wasn't exactly just sheer dominance for a few years after that. So it really was a kind of having to reinvent ourselves going from a 4-3 to a 3-4 defense and and really, I don't want to say restarts the wrong word because the culture's there, but personnel, roster, recruiting, all that stuff, we kind of did have to kind of dream it up again a little bit. Um, so no, we, you know, we know that that happens to every program except Alabama <laughs> under Nick Saban. <laughs> Um, but we're enjoying it. I mean, we really are. This is last year was miserable. Everybody's miserable because COVID was the number one storyline every week. And we got tired of it. We hated it. Uh, but this year's a lot better. Charles said it in our first episode after not, you know, I think you said it after Miami, Charles, you said something about you know, coming off a loss, but I can't wait to watch this team play again. And that's, I think that's been the, the motto for me is I just can't wait to watch this team play again. And um, it's been fun this year so far. We've enjoyed it. Said something similar to that in 2018 too. After, after the Penn State game, it was like we weren't sure what we had. We had all this uncertainty because we didn't know. You know, the errors of quarterbacks will kind of tell you. You know, is are you on a run? Or is this the end of a run? Or is another one continuing? Where are we going? And you know, when Penn State happened, you were like, okay, we're fine, we're good. Um, let's go beat everybody. That was our that was our thought process. Let's go beat everybody. Yep. Um, when we. In 2006, we played NC State with also first game, um, uh, and we went 14 to one. And NC State fans are picking on us for losing. And I say, enjoy your next five wins for the year. <laughs> we're gonna win. We're gonna win the rest, and we're not gonna look back. So we're gonna have a lot more fun than you. Uh, plus, we don't have to live in Raleigh. Um, but anyway. <laughs> uh, but no, I think our program. Everybody keeps himself account keeps themselves accountable to do what they're supposed to do. You know. Um, everybody's got a role. It's not just saying, Hey, we're fans and we want to win, uh, give us winning, you know, so we're happy or, or else, um, we, we're going to keep showing up, you know, and we're going to keep, you know, making sure that 
coaches are accountable, athletic department, et cetera, et cetera. And they'd expect the same out of us. And so we deliver as well. So it's, it's a group effort all around. Good deal. Tell me about Sean Clark for a couple minutes before we get into the game on Tuesday, because uh, last year you guys had some some ebbs and flows and there was some criticism here and there. And, and give us a better a picture. I, I know that when he was hired, you you guys were very excited and it seemed like the, the App State fan base uh, uh, echoed th- those sentiments. So if you guys don't mind real quick, spend some time on uh, on Sean Clark and then we'll start talking a little ball for Tuesday. Sean Clark's awesome. Uh, he's everything about App State. He is the he is an embodiment of what App State culture is. Um, and you know, any fans that have, I'm gonna I, you know, I'll go a little harder on the paint here than I would maybe on the show. But anybody that like right now is saying anything about Sean Clark or making any sort of critiques or little nitpicky things, you can just shove it up their butt. Um, they don't know what they're talking about. He's a great guy. Number one, he's a great leader. He puts his team first. Um, really cares about the guys. The team wanted him to be head coach when when Drink went to Missouri. Uh, but and here, here's, I don't know if this will tell you guys. Uh, I don't know if this will wrap it up neatly to where you get the full magnitude of what I'm trying to say. But we had um, uh, Mark Spear was a defensive line coach for App State from I think. Charleston, correct me here, but I think from 2003 to 2011, and then he in 2012 he went and got the head coaching job at Western Carolina, who at the time was a longtime rival of ours. Um, but Coach Clark never interacted with him, never coached on the same staff with him. They didn't obviously go to school together or anything like that. But um, Coach Clark brings him back. He gets fired from Western Carolina, which was a stupid move by them, but they don't know what they're doing anyway. They're like the Monroe of of our old Southern Conference. Yeah. Right. Um, so he brings this guy back as like an analyst, like, you know, what happens with coaches, they go get an analyst job, whatever brings him back as one of the, one of the guys, because he gets it. He gets App State culture. He played for coach Moore. Um, App State has a long history. It goes before coach Moore, but coach Moore is really the chief, in my opinion, architect of App State culture, as we understand it today. And Sean Clark has said this many times. It was that it was after a playoff loss to Boise, um, that he knew hearing coach Moore address the team after a tough loss that he wanted to be a head coach and he wanted to be a head coach at App State. Um, I, I am, I'm going to, maybe I'll pay for this one day. Maybe I'll have egg on my face. I really do think if there's a coach out there that would turn down money to stay at App State, I think he's probably the one. I never had that feeling about Sat. Charles and I disagreed on that. I thought Sat would take a better job. I thought he should have. I'm, I'm happy that Sat went. I'll be hurt. It's stung. Um, still kind of sad about it. But I think Sean Clark's that guy. He wants this job. He's a big grizzly bear of a man who, by the way, I think is a little more cerebral than anybody gives him credit for. He's a really smart dude. Loves App State. I am so proud that he's the head of our program. Um, awesome guy. That is, I, I can't tell you a lot about X's nose, but he's, he's an awesome leader, and I'm very glad he's in charge of the program. I had the chance to watch the press conference when he was announced as head coach. I think it was on Twitter or something. And just seeing how emotional he got at the podium that you, I mean, I, that's not even like, it's one thing to say I'm a college head coach, but I think it, it basically said it all when he just broke down and 
Just that was. I mean, I think this is his dream job. I would assume. I mean, this is hundred percent, hundred percent. So I'll, I'll say one other thing. Um, I was. I bring this up because I actually was talking to my brother about this today after I got off work. Um, Sean Clark. So we had an offensive line coach get a job at NC State. Um, Dwayne Ledford. Um, coach Sat and, and Coach Clark were teammates. He calls Clark. This is after New Year's. He says, "Hey, man, I need you." They don't discuss terms or anything. He gets in the car. He drives to Boone, accepts the job, starts recruiting before he even has a place to live in Boone. He comes to a, a signing day banquet um, that February, whatever it was. App State used to host these signing day banquets where people can go basically hear the coaches present on this year's signing class, whatever. Coach Clark gets up there, got tears in his eyes, talking about how happy he is to be back, and this is where he's wanted to be. He's finally found his way back. And like... <laughs> Charles and I are in that same room. It was before Charles and I um, uh, really had the podcast rolling. I think it was our first season. Um, and we're like, holy cow, that was powerful. I remember telling my brother after that, I said, I think he'll be the next coach at App State. And I missed it by a drink. <laughs> by a drink with just a little bit. Well um, said. That's that's great. Yeah. But um, yeah, we're huge fans and get along with him. And he's just a straight shooter. Um but you know, wears his heart on his sleeve, and I, I really appreciate that about him. There's not much more I can add to that. I mean, AJ put it up pretty well. I mean, he he uh, he gets this town, he gets the program. He's a normal dude. Um, he's not too high on what he does. Um, he wants. He, he knows what it takes to win here. Um, I think yeah. that's the biggest key, and and uh, you know, I think that's why you know we see, you know, like when, when Drink left there was a lot of people who weren't like sad because we had just gone through it or like, here we go. Who's next. Um, and we want it, you know, we're comfortable with that, you know, and, and sometimes that could be to our detriment and we may pay for it one day, but we want somebody who gets it and, and gets us. And, uh, and who better than a former player who's won championships on that field. Yep. Um, as player and as a coach, I mean, an assistant and, and all that. So, uh, we love him here. I think there's value to people that understand the culture that you're trying to maintain. You guys need to maintain it. Some people are trying to build it. So I think yeah. that, that there's a, a ton of value there. So we're going to let you guys get out of here. Appreciate you joining us. Before we do, how do you feel about the game? How do you see it going? Break, break it all down. Hurt my feelings. Go ahead. <laughs> Charles, have you posted your prediction? No, I, no, I have not. So, uh, but I'm getting into it. Um, <laughs> we'll, it'll, it'll hit the weekend. So, um, okay. Do you, do you want to, I mean, uh, Charles, you know, I'll he talk has, about yeah. it. Yeah. I'll talk okay. about it. I mean, like, um, I, you know, from what I've been able to glean, uh, watch and see, I mean, I was able to watch y'all play, uh, Ohio. I don't think Ohio is very good. Um, they, they were kind of stuck in a bad position with that score. Can confirm uh, very bad team. Yeah, they, they did. They kind of looked like they didn't belong on the field. Um, well, see, honestly, they quit. They quit yeah. halfway through the third quarter. Well, and it didn't help that they lost to a, you know an FCS team the week before at home, and then had to get on the road and play all on a Thursday. Um, it's just rare for somebody to go on a road um, on on a Thursday like that early in the season. I wonder what those contract terms are talking about, like <laughs> contracts, home and home. Like, how's that? Work? Uh, they, they they weren't th they were probably thinking, oh, we can probably just roll into this FCS team, um, beat them, rest guys, and then you know throw it at Louisiana, and that plan did not work. Um, probably didn't help that Selwich kind of retired kind of at a bad time for them. So, um, but, you know, 
I, I could be wrong, but it seems like uh, y'all are trying to find your way a little bit right now. And I think we're starting to hit a little bit of a stride. Um, this isn't going to be like a 2019 game. I think people might be expecting that. Um, our defense might be better than they were in 2019. Um, it, it, I'd say well, I'm not sure yet, but it's pretty close. That, you know, um, the arguments there as far as like having a game where if you want to get serious and not give up yards and give up points to inferior opponents, and you can. Um, but I'm, I'm expecting us to go down there and win. Um, I'm not saying it's going to be 20 point, 30 point, 10 point, whatever, but I think we'll do plenty enough to win. Um, I, I think it's fair to say that Louisiana is probably the underdog here a little bit. Yeah. And um, kind of echo what Charles said, you know, um, I have not watched a ton of the Cajuns. I did tune in a little bit for that Ohio game and, you know, Ohio looks bad. Uh, but we have a really fast, really strong defense, guys. I mean, it is, it's as fast as we've ever had. Um, uh, DeMarco Jackson, a linebacker, might be playing as well as any linebacker we've had in 10 years. I mean, truly. Um, 20, maybe 30. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, unbelievable. Uh, now, he's just one guy, of course. But I also, man, I don't think this, I don't think this timing is really good for Louisiana because – like I was saying earlier, and like we had Jamal Jackson on the on the show, I think Chase and his wideouts and his offensive line and his tight end, I, I think these dudes are figuring each other out a little bit. Uh, I think the second half against Georgia State is very indicative of what this team can do um, when they stop shooting themselves on the foot on third down. I think they put together really legitimately great second half. Um, that's more or less what I think we're capable of. Uh, the defense, you know, it's, I sound like I'm, you know, man, beating a dead horse here, but every game, we're like, oh, our defense is fast and really good. And then every game, our defense is fast and really good. And it kind of comes to fruition. It's the offensive piece. And can we convert on third down? Can we, you know, score in the red zone? The reason I say that is because we, we struggled so bad with that last year. I think we're figuring that piece out. So if I'm Louisiana, I'm not exactly thrilled that um, we're kind of solving those pieces with the new quarterback. Uh, I expect us to win. Um, I'm not, you know, I, I hadn't sat and really thought about what I think the score is going to be. But what I will say this year so far, uh, all my predictions have been um, that I don't, really, you know, I don't, I don't think our defense is going to be given up anywhere north of like 24 points. Yeah, that's you know, I, I really don't. Um, just because I think we're good at getting the other team off the field, you know. Um, and and if our and if our offense can capitalize on what our defense does, we can we can keep your defense on the field. We can convert on third down. You know, I, I think we'll win. Uh, so I think we'll win, but it's not because of of I don't think we Louisiana is any good. I just think that we are hitting a, a stride at the right time and we're healthy, and our defense is really good. So. Yeah, that's uh, interesting you brought up the third down conversions because we might be, and I'm not saying we're going to lose, but we might be the worst third down conversion team in the country. And that is no bullshit. Jerry, you got some last words for the boys? Yeah, um, I like the matchup. I think really, in my opinion, I think you're right, app's clicking. Um, And it's really interesting because we really haven't played a complete game yet. Uh, I mean, Ohio... You can say it was a complete game, but like you said, I mean, the team lost to Duquesne the week before. I forgot Duquesne even. I, I just know Duquesne is a basketball school. I didn't right. even know they had a football team. And then they beat Ohio, and I'm like, okay, well, we should basically win that game with one on tight behind our backs, and we ended up doing that by 35. So um, I think where where I think 
a keys to victory to me for both teams. I think for App, it's basically keeping the Cajun defense on the field. Um, you know, right now the App offense is clicking. Chase Price has found his strides with guys like Corey Sutton. Thomas Hennigan, he's like father time, dude. He, he just, I mean, he's he's like Van Wilder of the, of the Mountaineers. He's never going to leave. Uh, but, uh, I, you know, everybody had high expectations for uh, Camp Peoples, but I'm really impressed by Nate Noel. Um, and he kind of scares me a little bit because you've got that mix. But here's a twist. The Cajuns also have a really good run game. And that's kind of the matchups I'm looking for. Both teams against the front seven of the defense on either side. Really, I think this game's going to be one on time of possession. Um, I think App has a little bit of an advantage on the passing game. But then at the same time, you know, can I don't know what the weather's going to be like. You know, can App come down in the humidity and, and and face it. I mean, look, a lot of teams, they've, they've done it before, but, you know, weather can be a factor there as well. But um, I'm looking forward to a good game, though. It's going to be a great game. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a, it's going to be one of those games in the trenches, man, the line of scrimmage. Um, I think both every time we play uh, app, it's always one in the line of scrimmage. So I expect a good game. I just think hopefully the Cajuns can get enough breaks to, to pull off the win. I did want to say one thing, though, Josh, I have to add this. What do you guys think about what happened in our conference championship game last year? Like, what, what are you? What's your opinion on that? I got to hear this because I feel like I feel like the Cajun and Mountaineer fan base bonded over that because of Coastal's fans and Coastal. Like, what's your what's your feel about? Like, I'm just trying to get your opinion on that. What do you that, think? Uh, that timing was just so convenient. You know, <laughs> it was just so convenient. And uh, don't don't get me wrong, there was no Sun Belt fan that wanted. Coastal to win the bowl game against Liberty. Everybody was rooting for Liberty. Everybody. It's a beautiful thing how we've come together. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) No, um, I I don't remember. I really don't. I don't remember the details of who tested, when they tested, and what happened, whatever. What I do know is that um, I think Coastal uh, is is very lucky they didn't play that game. And um, and the fact that, you know, no offense, boys, sorry, but I, I love how App State has permission to say that they're the only teams that have ever won a uh, Sunbelt Conference championship game and that the Coastal, can, they can call themselves champs all they want, but I think they dodged a bullet. It's not real. We'd have beat their ass. Guys, uh, well, yeah. we appreciate <laughs> you taking the time, and I, I know that, uh, you know, we tried to get you out of here a little bit earlier than we did, so apologize for keeping you long, but look, want to encourage all of our listeners to go check out the BGP Black and Gold podcast. It's the uh, App State Athletics podcast by these two gentlemen right here. Uh, it's excellent. It's informative. Uh, it's substantive. You, you'll learn something for sure. Uh, wow, thanks again, thank boys. You. Appreciate you very much. And uh, if you guys make the trip on Tuesday, we'll take care of you. We won't That's be right. there, but give them hell, apps. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be fun. It'll be thank fun. Thank you guys so much. What a pleasure, man. It was a pleasure talking with you tonight. Always yeah. fun. Thanks, guys. You guys take really care. Enjoyed it. Yeah, see ya. All right, everybody. Stay tuned. Patronize the sponsors. They pay the bills. Matt will be back in the third segment.
Acadiana business owners. Are you looking for custom solutions from local professionals that understand your business needs? Maybe you're looking to streamline your processes, become more efficient, and achieve elevated peace of mind? Utilizing and combined 30 years of experience in the financial and technology fields, the Vaulted Security Team is ready to assist you with reaching your goals. From credit card processing, internet and phone services, website hosting and design, to hosted cloud, even digital marketing and recovery software, Vaulted Security can do it all. Here's a message from Solutions Specialist, Anna Bourgeois. Hi, I'm Anna Bourgeois, your Solutions Specialist, and it's my goal to understand how we can make your business run more efficiently while increasing profits. I'm very passionate about doing business genuinely. In the merchant services industry and other business areas, it's hard to find a partner that you can trust without question. I'm here to change that perception. Give me a chance to show you what true partnership is all about. Contact Anna today at 337-210-4272 or email Anna at vaultedsecurity.com. everybody bgp great guests great guys aj and and big c we've gotten gotten to know those guys a little bit and uh they love their team i have a little bit of envy of that i wish we had more of those down on the bayou but uh nope they're always good they always bring it and we appreciate them coming on and joining us uh jerry what'd you think about the interview and kind of recap your thoughts on that I was very pleased, um, you know, uh, and thank you to AJ and Charles for coming on with us. They've, uh, it seems like they've been friends with the pod for a few years now. Uh, we like to go back and forth on social media, but they've, they've really, they, look, they're, they're, they're a fantastic podcast. Uh, they're very well-rounded, especially amongst the app state fan base. Um, and we really enjoy uh, the relationship we formed with them. They are very informative. They're like us. They love their school. They love their university. They love their, they love their Mountaineers and uh, they bring a whole load of knowledge um, to, to what they do. And so I thought uh, our segment was very informative. I thought I learned a lot from what the app state program is about as well as their fan base. Um, And so I see, I see a lot of similarities between the two, you know, we, we have, um, we're both passionate. Uh, We both love our teams and, look, they, they go to all the games. They don't miss. They're like us. You know, they follow every sport. They know about every coach, every player. Um, you know, they, they know their history, which I really appreciate because we're the same way with our program. We know our history and we appreciate that. Um, so no, I just thought it was a great segment. Um, AJ and Charles, uh, anytime you want to come back on, don't be strangers. And, uh, to all the app fans listening, uh, we hope you enjoyed that segment because we know we're going to have a lot of, um, that fans listening in because of the value that AJ and Charles bring to, to their respected programs. So to a Mountaineer nation, looking forward to Tuesday night and um, yeah. Yeah. Hopefully we can do that again sometime. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I always like talking to those guys. Uh, it's very rare that you get a diehard fan that knows what they're talking about, has an intimate relationship with their team, can give you history, can give you, you know, a, a good pulse on the present, uh, version of their team and and still be um, mostly objective. And I feel like those guys, 
do a great job of that. And it's, it's been cool to get to know one another, but it's also, it's a cool little, uh, it's not even a rivalry. It's, I don't even know how to explain it, but between the two podcasts, there's, there's definitely respect. I know they listen to us and we certainly listen to them. So it's been a cool thing to develop over the, the last couple of years. But when you play app, what was it? Nine times in four years or something like that. Yeah. You know, it's, it's you get easy. To know them. Yeah. You get to know them. Man, any words on uh, BGP? I mean, they're, they're always great guys. Um, I, I was bummed out that I had to, to sit that interview out, but, uh, you know, getting to know AJ and Big C over the years, you, you listen to them talk about app and you think that they do the podcast full time. Right. But, you know, it, it, they're just like us. It's, it's a side hobby for them. Um, I actually, I remember talking to AJ once and I was like, man, you know, why don't you, did you get a degree in journalism or something? And I think if I remember correctly, the degrees in like marketing or like finance or something like that. So like completely not related to communications at all. And he was like, man, we just do this for fun. And so that's just, it, it's just unreal how, how plugged into the program they are and how, uh, how invested they are into everything app state. So, I mean, I definitely respect that. They're good guys. They know what they're talking about. And uh, it's always fun sitting down with them. Well, it's time for the, for the segment you've all been waiting for. Then I tell you what. If you want to get us kicked off. Hey, yo. May I tell you what? I am going to do something a little bit different today. You know, in British Parliament, if you ever watch those clips of how they talk, uh, I will say, as the prime minister would say, I give way or I yield to the honorable gentleman. So today I'm going to play the head of British Parliament and say, I yield to the honorable gentleman, Mr. Man About Town. I'm going to give you the floor because we talked about this. I think you have some things you wanted to get off your chest. So the Man I Tell You What segment today will be told by Josh instead of me. So Josh, it's all you, brother. Take it away. I don't know what the etiquette is, but I'll bow and accept your yield. I should have probably looked up what the proper response was before we started. But no, uh, you know, it, it's it's similar to what we talked about in the first segment. We have a fan base that suffers from low fan base self-esteem. We, we, we think that, you know, just getting a win is is the ultimate goal. And we should we should party and celebrate a win. And you should always appreciate a win. But I, I would love to know how many times the Alabama fan base uh, gets excited to squeak out a win that they should, they had no business, you know, winning that game are, I wonder, I wonder other, like app state is a good example. You know, if they had a down year, which was eight and four, I think last year. And they, 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 people, people were literally saying, what are we doing at head coach? Is this the right guy? Now, actually it was not actually it was nine and three. So you got to give them that extra win. So nine and three in a bowl game win too, I believe. Right. So, you know, <sighs> We have got to expect more as fan base, as a fan base, as Cajun fans, as people that pay into the Raging Cajun Athletic Foundation, people that spend money on season tickets, spend time on Saturdays going to football games, go to, you know, 30 whatever games, baseball a year, go to basketball games, uh, all of those things. We talk about return on investment. Return on investment is a real thing. 
you know, some people's stance is, uh, if I give to the, the Raging Cajun Athletic Foundation, it's a gift and it's, I, I shouldn't have any expectation tied to that, or I shouldn't feel like I'm owed anything. Well, it's not necessarily about being owed something. It is, you're giving to a cause. You wouldn't just give away money. It's not a charity. You know, this is something that people don't understand. It's not a charity. You're putting money into the pockets of others with a reasonable expectation that they're going to use the money that you give them properly, like helping the players get their suits for Saturday walk up, you know, the walkout um, pregame helping pay the the cost of attendance, helping pay the stipends that we have to, the nutrition programs that they have. All those all those monies are for a, a reason. If you take if the if the people that donate to the suits, if they found out that their money's being taken and spent on uh I don't know, flyers instead, they would probably have a problem with that because they gave for a reason. And the reason is to benefit student athletes. The student athletes are here and helping us uh, benefit our university. The university is here to benefit the city. This, the, the benefit of the city is for the people. This is, this is an ecosystem. It, 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 all of these moving parts have to play a role. So we got to figure out that it's not just about a missed field goal to win a game. We need to have higher expectations. Those expectations mean something. This is not just for fun. This means something for us. Have some expectations, people. Have some self-respect. Raise your expectations. Raise your bar. This is not Jerry Baldwin era anymore. Then I tell you what. I just want to add to that. Um, you know, I look, I have family and friends that went to UL or USL back in the day in the 1970s, 1960s, way back when, that competed on a weekly basis against Magnese. Look, my dad's yearbook from the late 60s, the schedule had Magnese, Arkansas State, ULM, Louisiana Tech, Louisiana College, Northwestern State, Pensacola Navy, Lamar. Teams that, I mean, there's a team that doesn't even exist anymore on that schedule. There's another team that you're not allowed to play because they're D2. So I understand there's fans out there who are used to, who, who, who love the memory, right? They love the days of saying, go to hell, McNeese. It's okay to appreciate that. But do you really think our standard today should be go to hell, McNeese? No. I expect when we play McNeese with what we have and what they have, I expect us to win by a minimum of three touchdowns. That's not me being spoiled. That's not me being entitled. But we have a $40 million budget. Their budget is no more than what, $10, $11 million? So we have like almost quadruple the resources of what they have. So I think as fans, it's okay to appreciate the past. It's okay to love the memory of when we went to school back in the day, but our expectations have gone up a lot since then as an athletic program and as a university as well. We're not the small commuter college anymore. So it's time to, to, to start having expectations of being a national brand, being having national prestige, not just being the school that, you know, you just drive to because it's convenient because you live down the road in Crowley. So I just hey, had to add on to that. And I love Crowley. I love Crowley. That's Matt. That's, that's Mr. Miguel. Hey, hey bro. I'll say Generet. Look, I got family from Generet. My parents, my, my dad's from Generet. I'll say Generet of Lorville. How about that? I'll, I'll, uh, I'll even throw my home, my own towns in there. But I mean, no, I mean, you're, you're, you're spot on. Um, but like you said, you put it perfectly when you said these aren't the Jerry Baldwin days anymore. It's not the Ricky Bustle days. 
this is a this is a football team that let's let's be totally honest. Anything more than two losses a year is unacceptable. Um, it, it's just it, it's time that the expectations of our fan base meet the standard of the program. Because I don't know about you guys, but uh, I guarantee you, if I ask the Napier right now what the standard of this football team is, it's twelve and zero. And that's the standard every year. And look, so we love our. There, and, there, and, just, and there I, just seems to be a gap between fan base expectations and the standard of the program that they cheer for. And, and Matt, you're absolutely right as far as standards go. Now, granted, I'm going to push back a little bit. I think, look, sometimes you go eight and four, nine and three, it's going to happen, right? Uh, don't get me wrong. I love having two losses, but, you know, I mean, sometimes you're not going to get that. But with, with, with to add on, uh, look, I, I love our fans. I love our fan base. I mean, we got a lot of passionate fans. But let's not, that doesn't mean we can be laissez-faire. You know, this laissez-faire approach, this let's live in the past, go to hell, Magnese. You know, again, I'm not going to tell you how to be a fan. You know, it's none of my business. At the same time, don't get offended if we say we could do better. Because there's always room for improvement. You can always do better. You know, I think there is a limit, though. You don't want to sound spoiled like the people across the basin where, you're down by a field goal in the first quarter. You want to fire the coach. I don't expect us to be that way. Those people are but lunatics, though. We And I can't I mean, stand I, when Cajun fans compare other Cajun fans to Tiger fans. Look, man, those are special case people. That is, They are freaking crazy. That, that, that Don't ever compare us to that. Well, we're not. Look, I don't know anybody. Look, I don't know anybody on, on, on the message boys when we're down by a field goal wanting to fire Billy Napier. OK, I mean, I, if you do that, I'm going to call you out. We're all going to call you out on that. OK, but that doesn't mean if we're upset that. Yeah, well, we're happy we won the game, but we're upset by the way we played the other night against South Alabama that we're 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 asking for too much. I mean, that's 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 ridiculous. So. Yeah, I mean, it, look, I love our fans, but now it's time to say, okay, you know, we're not the USL Raging Cajuns of the 1970s playing Magnese every week. Now it's time to raise that bar. That's 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 in the past. Time to move forward. Speaking of moving forward, uh, in Vegas, Cajuns are plus two at home against App State. Anybody want to touch that with a ten foot stick? Hell no. Nope. Uh, Hell no. I think I'll give out the pick like maybe right before game time because I think that'll move. But that is uh, we're at a home dog for the first time in how long? A couple of years. Well, God. maybe it'll motivate our team a little bit. Year? Yeah. Hey, That's hey, tough. let it let it be motivation. Let them use that as use that as as weapon as a weapon uh, to motivate. I'm okay with that. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm good okay with, with that. I'm good with it. So on that note. Before we get out of here, what do you guys think about the game? What do you see happening? If you want to give a score prediction, do that. Let me know. Mr. Miguez, you go first. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be your typical Louisiana App State game. Um, I think it's going to be a hard-fought game of two really good football teams. But, you know, like we said earlier, this team does not have an identity. 
And I think that it's still going to take a few more weeks, unfortunately, to to find that identity. And App State knows exactly who they are. App State knows what they want to do, what they're made to do, so on and so forth. Um, Prediction-wise, I hope I eat crow on this one. App wins 45-31. Yowzer. That is a... That's an ass whipping at home on a Tuesday night. I hope I'm wrong. I really do. I just, the way we have played and the way App has played and just, you know, the built-in emotion with this game over the last couple of years, App takes care of business. What you got, Gerald? Well, there's a lot of factors in this. Um, First of all, I, you know, I think AJ and Charles, they seem very confident with an app win. And I understand why, um, you know, if you watch that app game against Georgia state last week, I mean, a tale of two halves. I mean, it looked like they struggled a little bit in the first half, the second half. I mean, they played hard nosed, gritty mountaineer football, uh, a type of football team I would expect or a type of football performance I would expect from the highest capabilities of, of an app state squad. Um, but on the other hand, um, I feel like, look, apps clicking right now. You're right, Matt. Um, I don't think they have faced a front seven outside of Miami like they'll face in the Cajuns. And I don't think the Cajuns will allow uh, App State to have a second half like they did against Georgia State either. Uh, now, this is, this is important, though. What does the Cajuns' offense do to disallow that, right? Georgia State's offense couldn't get anything going in the second half to where App State just, I mean, one or two plays made the biggest difference. So I think a lot of this is going to fall on the Cajun offense because I think the Cajun defense is going to hold their own. Uh, You know, Chase Bryce is a good pocket passer, but I do think the Cajun defense can put some pressure on them. Now, you got to stop Nate Noel. You got to stop Camp Peoples. The secondary is going to have to be able to contain Hennigan and Corey Sutton as well. Um, I think we're capable of doing that. But in my opinion, I feel like it's this is gonna this is gonna be interesting to see what the offense does. Look, Billy acknowledged the other day they got to get better. He acknowledged he's got to get better on the play calling, the scheming. So it makes me wonder what type of strategy are we going to use offensively? Are we going to be more balanced? Are we going to do what we did last week and run the ball? Are we going to be more consistent running the ball? What's the passing attack going to look like? How are we going to have? How are we going to be able? to pass against the App State defense. They're very good. So there's going to be a lot of factors playing in that that I'm going to be really watching for. Um, you know, if I were to ask for a blatant score right now, look, I'd have to give App the upper hand. I hate to say it. And I hope the Cajun players listening can use this as motivation. I'm not trying to hate on our team. I love our team, but I'm going to be a realist here. I think App has a little bit of the upper hand, which is why they're a two-point favorite. If the Cajuns play like they did the last two weeks, if the Cajuns play like they did against Georgia Southern and South Alabama, I'm going to have to give that the win. I'm going to say it's going to be somewhere around a 27 to 17, 27 to 20 type score. On the other hand, if the Cajuns, if, if, if the Cajuns play the way Billy acknowledged in that interview of getting better, understanding that this is October where the conference play is really starting to get serious. If, if we acknowledge that and have a week of practice that play and, and play to the capability and have a good week of preparation and film study, and the players are motivated, et cetera, I think the Cajuns can come out with a win. If that's if the Cajuns team that we know, if, if the Cajuns come out and play to the capabilities that we know they're capable of, I'm going to give the upper hand to the Cajuns. The prediction is it depends on which UL team shows up. We already know what App is about. But if the Cajuns can show up 
and play their game, they can win this game. Look, they did it last. They did it last year on Senior Day at Kid Brewer Stadium in Boone, North Carolina, which is almost an impossible thing to do. Okay, if that team can do what they did last year on the road, there is no reason why this team can't do what what they did um, this coming Tuesday night. So, really, my prediction: if the Cajuns play like they did the past two games, or they've played lately, App's going to win the game twenty-seven seventeen. If the Cajuns play up to their capabilities and show up and play that or, or play the way we know they're they're known to play, I'm going to give the Cajuns 24-20. It's up to our team to see what happens. That's a good synopsis. I don't I don't really have much to add to that. You you covered pretty much everything, but for me it's this simple. This is this is really where it all boils down to for me. If the Cajun offense can stay on the field on third down, they have a chance to win the game. Yep. Period. App State, to this point, if we're judging just on how the teams have played, App State is a far superior team to this Cajun football team right now. The truth is the truth, man. I'm not going to get on here and and give you some sunshine pumping idea of what I think about the team. I love the team. Team is not playing well. Quarterback play has got to be the best it's been since 2019 on Tuesday if we're going to win the game. If it's not, we're not going to win. If they can't stay on third down, we're not going to win. And App State is amazing on third down defense. So not only are they facing their toughest test in that regard, I think overall that App State's a better football team. So my prediction is that we lose the game because that's the way we've played so far this year. It's unfortunate, but that's where we're at right now. I mean, that's the truth. Any last thoughts? Show up. Get your Show up to the game. Get your Yep. Show up. We yeah. need over 21, 22, 23, 24,000 people. We need we need a good crowd on Bring Tuesday Mama night. Bring them all and Paul and your cousins. Bring them all. Bring them all. Bring them all. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining us again. Check us out. iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music. You know the drill. At Rage and Review on social media platforms. And as always...